Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing Movie? Pop in your DVD or Blu-ray of The Wizard of Oz. Press play and press pause. When the Metro Goldwyn Mayer logo fades to black at the first frame you perceive of all black, press pause. In a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause, at which point I'll press play. You'll press play. We'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary except with five friends in your head. Dun, dun, dun. Your friends this week are myself, as always, T. Christie, my friend Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Everyone's friend Michael Dorkman Scott. Yo ho. Nobody's friend Ian Hubert. Hello. And some Aww. people's friend Paul Santagata. Hi. Hey, so we're doing a movie from the 30s, and Trey's not even here. We've done it. <laughs> we, have su- we have successfully covered the generational gap, and now yeah. we're just doing shit without his blessing in the years before he was born. So, um,. I Take had, that. <laughs> I hadn't actually like even heard of this movie before we did it. This one's kind of an underground baby, but I think that you'll find that it's a gem. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was about to flip out for a second. I was like, what? I mean, obviously, at least for you know us Americans, we, we, we grew up seeing this movie all the goddamn time because our television plays it all the time and everyone owned a VHS tape of it. And it's a standard rotation kids movie for everyone these days. And I guess that it actually kind of wasn't for about 20 years after its creation, but we'll talk about the history of it. But it's delightful, obviously. And it's, a you know, interesting series of weird bits of lore and history and I think mostly harebrained attempts to make it seem like it's populism and other random shit has happened to this movie for the last 80 years and it's just it's one of the more storied films just because it's so goddamn old and also very good and the songs are great and it tells a pretty straightforward easy to understand story and that's pretty much the trick so I like this movie a lot and I don't exactly know what we're going to be talking about I mean obviously there's a lot of allusions to story and allusions to the book and all this other stuff we can get into but as a movie itself I'm I'm fine I won't turn it off when it's on but I don't find myself going god I want to watch The Wizard of Oz right now Brian? Yeah, I hadn't um, I hadn't seen this movie in years, quite possibly multiple decades. Um, I just I, I recommended we do this. It was on the list just because I finished reading Wicked last week, uh, finally. Oh, uh, so oh I, we, I did I did read Wicked. I like Wicked. Uh, we can get into that, but yeah, I hadn't seen. I you know I remember the isolated pieces of you know certain famous scenes, but large swaths of it I had no memory of. And so I, I also read the book for the first time just a few years ago, in like 2010, I think. And I remember being really surprised when I got to about halfway through the book and they're in, they're having the audience with the wizard and it seems like the climactic scene of the movie and I'm only halfway through the book Mm. and the wizard goes, okay, I will give you what you want. I'll send you home and I'll give you a heart and blah, 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 (laughs) if you go out and kill all my political enemies for me. And I went... What the <laughs> hell is this? And I kept cut to black. Reverby drum hit. Come back this and, week on the West Wing. And then the the second half of the story is them basically going and doing that. Well, uh, no, the the uh, wonderful Wizard of Oz. They're just after the the Witch of the West, but they, but she'd never come up before. Is the thing right? The movie makes her a through line. Yeah, the movie makes her a through line. Whereas before, he just they just show up. Yeah, and she's and, like one of several people yeah. that he goes. I want you to go off and kill these people. No, he was this, this week, about this the, week the on, I'm a psychotic bastard. Kill that one. At least in the at least in the first book, that may have happened later. For huh. all I know, but well, I remember it differently. But that's weird. We should talk about that. But anyway, so I was I was really surprised at the you know the ending being different. And then I rewatched Wizard of Oz for the first time in maybe 20 years last night. And was really surprised when they got to the wizard and that wasn't the last scene of the movie. And then there was this whole other, yeah, go kill the witch, uh, which I had completely Wizard of Oz fool you once, shame on Wizard of Oz. (laughs) So anyway, there's a lot of uh, that is like, it's very indicative of the faultiness of our memory in terms of how we can completely forget how things actually are. Um, But um, yeah, it's, it's overrated. It struck me quite a bit as like how very original series star trek it seemed to feel uh, really yeah in like it's 
and a lot of it's production design and staging and and mostly in kind of the technicolor aspect of the world that was being created um what else yeah i think it's kind of overrated i don't think i'll ever be going back to it ever again um but it is like a, it's an important example of you know cinema history exactly. from a textbook standpoint so certainly the great american fairy tale anyway michael that's true it's it's one of the first uh kind of really um, <clears throat> american like you say, fairy tales and fantasy films, because we'd had uh, this. This movie was produced essentially as a response to Snow White from from Disney, and uh, but you know Snow White was um, an, an older fairy tale, and and there's Alice in Wonderland, which I don't remember. If the, I don't remember quite the timeline, but obviously the, the book already existed. Yeah. But this was the uh, you know this was written by L. Frank Baum. An American to be an American fairy tale, you know, it's about the the heartland in Kansas, yeah. you know, a little girl, and you know, all that little um, people and weird shoes. Yeah, so that's all over. But uh, I loved this movie growing up. I got to, I watched it. I mean, we, you know, VHS existed, uh, so so we actually had it. I didn't have to like so many uh, like the you know the generations before us. I didn't have to wait till like christmas or thanksgiving or whenever they would show it annually mm-hmm. um every year i could just watch it whenever i wanted to and apparently i did uh, like, <laughs> and when i wanted to was all the time yeah exactly it was it was that movie one of those movies from my childhood like the three movies that i watched all the time as a little kid were annie ghostbusters and the wizard of oz <laughs> just those three movies that totally makes sense over and over again it does it totally does that's like all of my tastes and interests in in film just all right there and one and, easy to own box set yeah and uh so so i always loved it i always uh particularly loved the wicked witch so so the idea of wicked was uh yeah. always very interesting to me and i i um finally saw that saw it and read it last year um, oh, you ha- you hadn't even read the book until last year because it's been out since the nineties. Yeah, it's right? been out for a while. I just yeah. never got around to it. And then I was going to see the show. Finally, I was getting around to seeing the show, so I'm like, I should read the book first. Um, but uh, as for this movie, I love this movie. I think it's great. I think to to me, it still holds up and it's still impressive. Uh, the 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 more I learn about, you know as with many films from childhood it's like you get older and you go oh i'm starting to see the problems with it but the older i get and the more i know about film and the history of this film and stuff like that the more impressed i become by it um which we can talk about as we go but i think it's great i i admittedly haven't haven't watched it in a little while up until um we were going to do it for the show but just because i'm like i don't have i can just sit here and watch it in my head i don't have to put it in the um but uh, yeah, I love it, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking about it. Although I'm kind of nervous about it, I'm like, this is a lot of pressure. We're talking about like a really important movie right now to uh, to me, at least. We have distributed the impact. Yeah, Ian Hubert. I know we've got five people here to be like, no, it's okay. We're gonna get this. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> Welcome to the show, sir. He's been a friend yeah. of mine for ten goddamn years, and he's a member on our forum, and he's got a bunch of banners because he makes cool shit all the time. But you've never been on the podcast before. I haven't. Have you ever seen The Wizard of Oz? I have. Did you grow up? <laughs> Thank with you. It? Did you. Did you grow up with? <laughs> Thank it? you. Good night. Yes. <laughs> da, 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 da. Did you grow up with it like we did, or is it? I've I've seen it. I saw it probably a million times again as a, there we as go. a kid, and just going this couch right here. Going down, <laughs> I think about a month ago, I just went. I want to see. I want to see that Munchkin scene. 
because I remember it being just completely insane. Yeah, it is. And I went back and I watched it, and it was as insane as I remember. It's just back when they were still kind of making movies. It feels a little bit like stage pieces or mm-hmm. um, yeah. mm-hmm. theater. But um, I hadn't remembered all of the. You know, there were a lot of things that seemed different, like the uh, the backdrops being really obviously backdrops. Yeah, be very aware of that. But um, but the scope of it was still. Because I, I had to keep just kind of keep going, but I <laughs> See, yeah. I still haven't seen like the second half of it since I was probably like twelve. So this is gonna be this is gonna be crazy. Watch it fall apart before our eyes. Yeah, I read I read all the books growing up, and I remember the books being totally insane. Like, yeah, the, the they didn't even always have plots as much <laughs> as it was just somebody was on a quest and they had there's one guy with like life powder and he's just pouring it onto all of these objects that are getting these weird like existential like deals <laughs> yeah um, yeah we were talking about that last night so i i always kind of wondered maybe the first one is just as ape shit but just we've grown accustomed to it but thinking about it i, I don't think it is i think it's just <laughs> no you can compare this I'm, i was thinking you can compare this to return to oz that they made in the 80s which is a Fairly George Romero, right? Uh, no, Walter Murch. I was kidding. Was the but you you wouldn't be too far off because because that's uh, Return to Oz is actually much closer to to the the Oz books mm-hmm. and it is so much more messed up than this is. <laughs> it's like you watch that one, you go, "What happened? This is crazy. Why would you make an Oz movie this way?" And you go, "No, no, because that's actually how you were supposed to make an Oz movie if you're going to make it out of the books." Um, yeah, it's got the life powder and all that stuff in it, and it's really. Twisted. What was, your, what was it you were saying? Was like he he basically made a, a, a sentient creature out of like a bed, and like these other two pieces. And then at the end of the story, it was just like I should not exist. Please kill me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, cool. Palu, what's your whole Wizard of Oz thing? Um, also from the forum, and you've been on the show a few times, so you don't need introductions anymore. Okay. You're out of the honeymoon <laughs> phase, man. Okay, bye. Uh, watch this movie so much, so 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 much as a kid. It was the VHS to put in and play over and over and over and over and over again. Um, probably several years where it would just be on repeat for a while. But don't really remember much of it. So Because I was happens. on a massive LSD thing throughout my entire childhood. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I'll probably be the guy sitting here and be like, wait, isn't this? But what about... So yeah. I'll be, I'll the be nice, like, no, that'll be 10 minutes from now. I'll be the think nice, it was uh, here, but it's later. Yeah. yeah. I'll jump on the grenade and be the audience surrogate for the guy that pretends... No, that actually doesn't really remember any of this. Okay. Hooray! Um, grenade man! So you're going to... Shall we do this? Shall we rediscover this cinema classic together and hopefully not drop the ball? You're at the point where the Metro Goldwyn Mayer logo has faded to black like I am here. Put your finger on the button. Three, two, one, unpause. Yeah, I was saying before we went, by the way, a little bit of trivia. This is, as as everything is, like you said, very stagey, it was all shot on the MGM sound stages. And it feels, it, it was back when, like, studios had a house style. Like, it feels like their other kind of, uh, you know, um, stage music or musicals and stuff like that. And they were very stagey and you could, you could feel that there was still the very theatrical. Um, and in some ways, you know, a lot of the performances were still very vaudeville and stuff like that, that, that influence still exists, especially in MGM movies. But the, these clouds are the only real clouds. It's the only outside shot in the entire movie is the, the background for these titles. Everything else was on a stage. Are there other comparable big MGM musical fantasy things from this period fantasy no i don't think but I th- mgm I don't think was the the known i mean they all did musicals but mgm was like each each major studio kind of had their wheel yeah universal had its it was horror Universal was a monster and, movie yeah, 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 yeah and mgm had its, yeah, With musicals. Yeah, its musicals that was that was their main thing um but but a big fantasy live action fantasy like this um had not really been approached before and and there were there's so many 
you you look at the the uh, behind the scenes, you know, and the the history of of this movie, which has been you know written about and talked about extensively at this point. But it's like there were so like somehow they just perfectly threaded the needle of all of these things that came together and are you know wonderfully classic and and iconic. And they were so close to going just right off the rails one way or the other. And they ultimately always made just like in the nick of time made the right decision. My favorite thing. And there were like five directors on this. And they, you know, so the fact that this comes together at all is is kind of astonishing. And and, uh, five directors, like 11 credited writers, but there's more like 25. Yeah. Like three or four like major like health uh, yes. things no. happening. That's yeah. hilarious. We'll, we'll get into the, yeah, that we'll, stuff. We'll, we'll but one of my favorite things about the uh, like one of the origin scripts because it went through a bunch of like this is the same shit as like Crystal Skull where it, this was written forty five times and they took their favorite paragraph and at the last second someone went uh, okay link 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 question mark and then made movie like that was the process. The very one of the very first scripts was. Have, it was apparently much more like they thought, man, 1939 audiences are going to be too highfalutin to go for in, so like go in for some sort of weird fantasy story. So what we're going to do is we're going to make it gritty and realistic. And they really went this way. And they finished a guy finished a draft where it's like uh, the scarecrow isn't really a scarecrow. He's just an incredibly dumb guy who can only get work if he's standing out in the field scaring crows. And like the Tin Man was this like serial murderer rapist guy. And they <laughs> like man in the iron masked him. And then he became sweet and docile after spending years of his life imprisoned in a metal shell and shit like that. It was the most messed up that I've ever. I had no idea. That, Dude, that sounds awesome. I know. Yeah, that's I'm exactly like, what I was I want to see like, that movie. I didn't. I don't want that movie instead of this one. Yeah. But I would like to see that. But movie. I'm just reading that thing going, oh, my God. I didn't realize that the same you know, impulses would be going on even in the studio system in the forties where they're like, yeah, I think this probably needs some like rape and like a torture device. I think that'd work. No, but, but guys? I mean, they, the, uh, that some of that, some of that mindset still exists even in this, not the rape part or anything, but uh, some of that mindset still exists in just this framing device that we're seeing right here. The idea that, uh, you know, when, when the, when the twister comes, Dorothy gets conked on the head and everything is, uh, you know, is a dream, or at least can, she doesn't can actually be to, strongly interpreted that way. It's implied that it's she didn't actually go to. Oz. Yeah. Whereas in the novels, Oz is a place. It is a place that you go and really exists. Um, and and this whole thing, none of this actually exists. The farmhands are a are a conceit that was invented for I think one of the either one of the stage productions or one of the earlier films. Um, but them, you know, having the having the sort of. Uh, uh, one-to-one correlation of people in her real world appearing in this dream of hers and and doing all that. Um, literally in the in the book, it's like Dorothy was a girl in Kansas. One day, a tornado took her to us. And it's like, oh wow, okay. Um, but it's really extremely um, clever as well. It, it's almost like L. Frank Baum wrote the Kansas bit to be to, to for the movie to be made this way, even though like. Movies barely existed if they did at all when he wrote the book, but he describes Kansas and everyone in it, you know, Aunt Em and, and Uncle Henry and all that, as just being gray. He uses the word gray like nine times in a couple paragraphs to describe Kansas. And then she goes to Oz and everything is very colorful. So it's like it was perfectly made yeah. to shoot to start it in black and white and then blow out to Technicolor when she gets to Oz. So what's the deal with the sepia instead of... 
Well, it was shot in think, black and white, and they color timed. Yeah, I think they just they just uh, uh, developed it in sepia just to. I don't know make why. It, well, just to well to make that thematic contrast. So Kansas is boring and dull yeah. in one shade, and, and, and to then, make it feel and to, to make hit, it give it some warmth and make it feel old, old, you know, and and because like pictures of the time of of the old days would have been. Uh, you know, sepia toned and stuff like that, and so I think they they probably were kind of making the stylistic choice to this is you know old fashioned and and yeah. kind of dull and boring and all of that, and then she yeah. gets to Oz and it's something you've never seen before. Um, <clears throat> they very nearly cut this song. They nearly cut over the rainbow. That's right. Um, they, they were they cut all the reprises. Every song in this movie had like four reprises originally. Yeah. Now the only one that has, uh, we're off to see the wizard has like three reprises. But it previously was like, they sang every song three times and there was a whole other number called the jitterbug that they took out in addition to a couple others. And, uh, they didn't find this movie at all until like way late in the game and they're doing weird like tricks to make it work and like all the way through production, all the way after production. And, Again, it's just a sound that it it, it works at yeah. all. I mean, this is uh, one of the. This is also one of the first. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know this until I was uh, reading up on it. This is one of the first movie musicals to bring the Broadway attitude, and it was still relatively new on Broadway. The idea of telling the story through the songs, as opposed to just having song breaks and like dance breaks right. and stuff, to actually have a have a character. Expressing, you know, songs her, her inner feelings, means. songs with story, songs with character, songs that um, advance the story. Yeah, the, this was this was a new thing, hmm. um, and uh, it was this was almost cut, like you said. This was also a very a pretty late addition to the film because they couldn't quite figure out what she was going to sing about. But then they realized she's living in this world where there's no color. The only thing she's ever seen of of any color and, and any fascination would be a rainbow so she sings about a rainbow which is perfect because then it gives her like a the like beginning point of an arc yeah all i want to do is get away from here hooray story is off to the races yeah. fun fact the guy who wrote the music not the lyrics the guy who wrote the lyrics basically kind of also wrote half the script but the guy who wrote the music <laughs> for this song wrote a million other great songs including my favorite lydia the tattooed lady <laughs> good job buddy marx brothers anyone okay never mind What's the Marx this? Brothers had a song called Lydia the Tattooed Lady. Have you met Lydia? Lydia the Tattooed Lady. <laughs> Ooh, okay. It's a fun song. So there's this like gobo that's been like casting crazy shadows over her the entire time. Mm. Yeah, but man, that's Kansas. But they're like just in a field. They're in the, yeah, yeah, they're in a, a barnyard. And it's like swinging gently yeah, there's back like, and like forth. That, that's not something that you would see at all today yeah. for any reason. It'd be like, that's just distracting. Yeah. One of the, well, one of the, and one of the reasons they almost cut it was because, you know, back then you had your, uh, everyone was on contract for studios, you know, so so people could get loaned out to other studios, but it was like otherwise, you know, we, we talk about there were five directors because it'd be like this this director is working on this film, but in a week he's got to go work on this other film. So you're not busy. You go work on Wizard of Oz for a week. And, right. you know, uh, they changed up that way. And Victor Fleming, who was who is the credited director, did the bulk of the shooting, especially yeah. in Oz. But also uh, directed Gone with the Wind. But he he left to go do Gone with the Wind because Gone with the Wind was in trouble and he swept in and saved that one too. Uh, And the guy who did the either the most or the second most is the other guy who didn't even like make a stink about that until his friend Victor Fleming died. Yeah, King Vidor is is his name and he's he's the one who shot pretty much all the Kansas material. Including that song. Including the song, yeah. Although uh, 
an interesting piece of trivia is there's one of the directors, the one before Victor Fleming, uh, George Cukor, he only worked on it for like a week, and I'm not sure he even shot anything, but he came there's in. There's one that didn't. I don't remember which one, but there's one like the only thing the director did was change her outfit. Yeah, he came in, he cha- he he changed her outfit, he changed some of the other to costumes. To make her a little bit less like Lolita. Yeah, exactly. She was, it was very, well, it was very like, it's an MGM musical, so we're going to have this precocious, you know. Uh, little girl with pigtails. Little girl, and she was blonde, and it. it in part because it's hard to believe now because you look at this and you're like that's Dorothy that's what Dorothy looks like and it just always has but at the time Dorothy was kind of blonde and precocious like that was the classic view of her because of the books and 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 the art that had been done along it and this and George Kuko comes in and he's like no this doesn't like sure if you came from Oz this is totally but you're from Kansas like this is all wrong and so he he reinvented Dorothy basically her her look and her performance to be this and is one of the um like like you said it's like he didn't shoot anything but he probably had an incredible impact in the success of the film yeah nonetheless by doing it's certainly an incredible impact on our cultural image of yeah of what Wizard of Oz is and who Dorothy is yeah <laughs> I love Henry it's like oh well sorry well. not <laughs> Don't start nothing, won't be nothing, Gulch. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Gulch was played by Margaret Hamilton, who was a kindergarten teacher before she became an actress. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I thought my kindergarten teacher was the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. No, she... <laughs> <laughs> the color commentary kind of sucks. I'll stop making jokes. <laughs> now, I li- I, I, do we want to comment at all on the fact that Dorothy is kind of in the wrong? Like, granted, Gulch is way overreacting. Yeah. But her dog did bite her. Uh-huh. That is like People le- get put down for that shit these days. <laughs> that is a legitimate grievance. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, think On the other hand, true, would you complain if a dog that small had bitten you? Like, your dog bit me, out walks this, like, rat with, a, <laughs> with like, a guilty expression. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, we, we see if Toto, Toto is a being... Rottweiler. Have you, ever gotten like... a, have you ever gotten a serious bite from a tiny dog? No, I have it's, gotten a serious bite from a very large dog. It's worse. It's like worse than a human biting you as hard as you can, even like really small ones. Oh, small humans, because there are munchkins in the movie too. Dogs. Oh. <laughs> well, the thing is, like Toto's kind of a dick at multiple points through the movie, <laughs> and apparently through shooting. Oh, really? Yeah, like the shot where they're, you know, Ian was talking about when they walk, you can just see like the psych is right behind them. That the sort of famous shot where they're off to see the wizard and all four of them are walking towards the Emerald City. You can like see that like they're about like one second after the cut point, they're going to hit that goddamn wall. On that shot, apparently it took 12 takes because Toto would just keep, he'd like, he'd go with them for like five feet and go, hey, look a thing and just run away. It's like, cut, reset, bring the goddamn dog back. And they just do that over and over again, and apparently yeah. that was a problem throughout production, which is a problem with most productions. But when you're doing something that's this stagey, where there's like so many working parts because you're doing the whole thing for real and it's all in front of you, that goddamn dog must have gotten really annoying. Oh, the jacket! Thing I too. completely oh, forgot yeah. about this scene. Yeah, so this is Frank Morgan and one of his. See, he's being five? a dick here. He steals the food. Yeah, is one of his. He's just got an oral fixation, Five or man. six uh, uh, roles, but this is the one, of course, that that sets him up as the wizard in her mind 
Which, by the way, what an amazing dream she has. Just out of nowhere, <laughs> she gets knocked on the head and invents this entire world of mythology. Like, damn, I hope she wrote this down. Darkman Kansas is the dream. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, that would be sucky. I was just imagining, like, the... Someone making a, a subversion, like a modern version of this story, where they just literally do the opposite, where it's someone from Oz getting sucked into Kansas, and it's a story about the downtrodden proletariat and shit, and then you go back to Oz, like, oh, thank God, colors, little people, talking trees, there's no place like home. Would it be great, because, yeah, the moral at the end of this movie is, you know, don't go off and have crazy adventures, be satisfied with your, you know... Life on the farm. Your, your life on the farm. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to flip that and have somebody from Oz come to Kansas and, like, have that exact same moral, but from coming to your yeah. shitty this is a story. Farm. This is a story from the prairie. <laughs> Basically, that story would be the story from, like, New York or San Francisco or Los Angeles, where it's like, I live in Oz, and then I went to the prairie, and it, God, it fucking sucked. I'm going back to Oz right now. It's like that. You could actually make a competent storyline with that yeah or a reality up, show oh that too <laughs> dude did you see mm, never mind what well okay it's not timely but whatever there there's a i there i saw a perfect joke reality tv show actually happening they're doing a thing that's like amish people on rumspringa go out to las vegas for a week <laughs> and they're filming them and it's like amish west or something like that where they're literally sending out little amish kids into the real world and filming them for a reality show right i was like that would but have they been are- a joke Literally a year ago. They are pretty much... Well, if they're sending him to Vegas, it pretty much is the Wizard of Oz in real life. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Come on. I mean, I walked into just... Just the other day, I walked into Party City and all the fucking colors. I was like, okay, this is what it's like going to Oz. Because I'm like, Jesus, I can't even look at half these aisles. There's just... Damn. By the way, he never gives her back that picture of her and Auntie M. Yeah. He just totally put it under his butt. So she would see. Well, he tries, and then she runs off. But she runs off. He's like, oh, whatever. (laughs) I'll see you later, Auntie. Yeah. But you know, he's uh, he's he's a good guy. Giving her a reading and and telling her like, oh yeah, you got to go home. If fucking everybody's dying, you got to get back there. (laughs) That's a little. That's more detail than you needed for the story to work, though. Yeah. He could have been like, you should go home. She's worried sick about you. She's worried sick about you. No, she's uh, dying. I think it's leukemia. Go, go. Go fast. Run faster. She needs a kidney. I think you may be (laughs) the only donor. The stars tell me that only your kidney can save her. Go now. She's running down the road to the farmhouse like the knife already in her (laughs) So is that a miniature out there that we just saw the tornado swinging in? Sorry? We just saw the tornado swinging in from the side. How did they do it, though? What was that That actual... They, they, uh, it was, it's essentially a miniature. They made a, they made a, like a nylon stocking, like a big pantyhose. They didn't actually use pantyhose, but they used the same material and they made a big tube of it that they put on a a motor so it would spin. And then they had a bad looking tornado. No, it's fantastic. And then they just composited and keyframed it into the back. Yes, exactly. What's the, how are they doing the smoke on the bottom there? Uh, Fuller's Earth. There's, there's a bunch of wind and it's blowing up the, and, and there's a track on the bottom that the, that it's moving along and then there's a track on the top. So So you, Kind of, it's yeah, it's like an S shaped track on the bottom, and then it's kind of a straight track on the top. So you get that kind of wavy, not it. quite yeah. moving motion, and then the wind and the Fuller's Earth and stuff like that. And it's, it's a great effect. You look at it and you go, "My God, like that looks like a tornado coming right at these people." Um, and of of course, you know, like you as you joked, they didn't have that kind of technology back then, really. So this is all uh, currently being rear projected. There's a, there's a screen. Uh, doing playback right behind them of uh, previously shot miniature footage, doing that, which means they can move the camera around and and, and have the, the about thing it. coming right at her. Yeah, 
and it's amazing how much debris that they've got floating around. They didn't all give a their, shit about actors. Yeah, oh, all yeah. the main actors in, especially. Oh, they almost killed star. the first they Tin Man. Killed yeah. Buddy, Ebsen, Buddy Ebsen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, respiratory disorders were not in there. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, it, and they also killed uh, the Wicked Witch t- uh, too. Almost, yeah. They almost burned her face clean off. And then she didn't come back for pickups because she was like, you almost killed me the first time. I'm not getting on that thing. And they're like, it's going to be completely safe. She's like, fuck you. Doesn't come back. And then the lady that they got to ride on the witch or to ride on the broom for that pickup yeah. got burned. Yeah. It's like, yep. The, the broom exploded <laughs> and threw her across the like sound the smoke stage. machine that was on the broom, like just burned yeah. her thigh. Just. So this is like before SAG was a thing, right? So every, yeah. all the actors were just sort That's, of like indentured is, servants. Yes, the exactly. The, they were on contract to the studios. Man. I mean, you, you look at it and it's kind of like on the one hand, on the one hand, the idea of just like I've got I've got a gig, like I've, I'm on contract for like eight years, and like I'm done. You know, I finish a movie Friday, and they've put me in another one on Monday. Like that's great. But then there's the other aspect where, well, you're also working 14 hours, and they don't care if they burn your face off. So yeah. you know, six of one. Um, like, well, you you just said you know Friday and then Monday. The concept of a weekend was still fairly oh, that too. new at the time. <laughs> yeah, so. that's also true. But. Wasn't, this is a fun. Wasn't she like sixteen when they filmed this? Something like yeah. that, yeah. So they had to, uh, they had to put like, and you yeah, know, man, a wrap yeah, around it's a her. To, it's a twister to make her look a little more uh, young girlish. But I think, I think honestly, she always struck me as being in her, in her, even as a kid. Like, I, I, it never really occurred to me that she was supposed to be eight years old. <laughs> I always yeah. kind of took her as as being a uh, like at least a, fourteen, an innocent, you know, teenager. yeah, teenager. But this is actually a really pretty successful little dissolve. Like, they match it pretty well, and it's a great introduction to uh, The Wicked Witch, especially with the music. I hadn't noticed until just now, and I'm sorry, Zarban, but Zarban in the chat is just killing it with cool trivia shit. Uh, there's a lot of mid-Atlantic accents in this. Uh, they're all East Coasters, which gives it kind of a 1930s Hollywood sound. That's an interesting thing to think about when you want to fake like hmm. a 1930s movie. Just make it sound like you know Catherine Hepburn. Do, yeah. like, a, do like a Mid Atlantic accent. Yeah, there's uh, a there is an interesting thing of, about uh, dialect with. Uh, they they point out Dorothy a couple times when when Toto jumps in, even though she's supposed to be uh, you know an innocent little kid. She goes Toto, darling, and it's like that's that's Hollywood talk. That's not uh, that's uh, how a Hollywood Toto, talk. Darling, yeah. And and she does the same with the lion later. She goes lion, darling, and it's like yeah. no no. Let's that's us go to and Frank's later. Another one he says, and I've got a thing here in a second about this shot coming up. But yeah. 1930s Kansas was a hellhole, by the way. Dust Bowl and depression. This isn't just I wish I had excitement. It's partly I wish I had shoes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then she gets them. The way they did this shot where they transitioned it is really fascinating because yeah. they were they were fiddling with it. They had a bunch of tests on it, and they ultimately decided the easiest way to do it was literally to paint the house sepia tone in here. She she this- is a stand-in with a gray dress. Now she's gonna the other girl, the real girl, is gonna come in with a colored dress. So that wasn't a black and white shot we were looking at. That yeah. was a black and white set with black and white makeup yeah. and black and white dress. And they actually, when they re-aired it, apparently on when they re-aired it on television for like 30, 40 years. They turn the sepia tone sequences just black and white. Well, when and they ruin that effect. When they well, when they initially, uh, uh, well, that that may be true. Yeah, when they when color Come came around. But for a long time, there was like an entire generation who watched it on TV and only had black and white television. Right. So they're like, so, I don't get it. Yeah. So so they but they still enjoyed it. But then color TV came out, and then they re-aired The Wizard of Oz, and everyone went, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like they had no idea that that was going to happen because it had been like thirty years ago or something. Just Throwing their TVs out the window. <laughs> yeah. Panic in the streets. Ah! <laughs> yeah. It's it it like War of the Worlds. Everyone just freaked out. 
That's a hell of a set. So you can, you can really see in, in this shot what Ian's talking about with, oh, the, with the, backdrops. the backdrops being like, yeah, those are those are backdrops. But I, they they are backdrops, but I, I think because it's so consistently that way that it just becomes the wor- you're in this world where it's it's you're a world watching that a, looks kind of shitty after you're watching, forty feet. You're watching kind of a, you're watching a theatrical presentation. You know that yeah, sh- that yeah sure Michael be an apologist mentality is still there. I think <laughs> Mike, you have to be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Well, no, but not, I, I, we, like, I was going to see. I, well, you know, it does there's this, in, and then there's Oz the Great and Powerful, which can actually do the the long extended vistas and stuff like that. Yeah, and point. I don't think there's much of a question which one, at least, I would rather watch again. Plus, it does give you a slight feeling of you're watching a stage play, and you just have more creative access to the stage. Yeah, exactly. But it could have been like a uh, volume per budget sort of issue because just a couple years later, you have like Archer's movies, like yeah. Um, like Black Narcissus, where you have like only a couple of matte paintings, but they're like almost flawless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I imagine the fact that they needed a matte painting in basically dude, every shot. Yeah, yeah. So every time that they're going to a new place, they need to completely yeah. do like a 270 degree psych of right. Yeah, like, and they're doing. I mean, fantasy hills and things. What what we just saw with with her little bubble and stuff like that. That was an extraordinary visual effect for its time because this was this was not the oh, excuse me this was not the first Technicolor film. This isn't the first time people had seen color. It wasn't when like you cough. It sounds like mechanical breakdowns. I wasn't coughing. Was, I hit the thing. I was, I was it was radio theater. Oh, oh, it's gone now. Never mind. Sorry. That's an, anyway the effect. Um, yeah, but uh, the Technicolor was not completely new, although it wasn't. It still wasn't super in use. But but on a like fantasy film with with. Super effects, colorful su- shit. Yeah, special effects and stuff like that. This was that was new, um, and the idea of doing double exposure and stuff like that on Technicolor is much more complicated because you've got three strips of film running through and beam splitters and all that business. So um, even something as simple as that little pink ball um, was actually a very challenging effect for them to to get into this film. I have a question. In the Lord of the Rings style of thinking, this is a you've got a map of Oz in your head, yeah. and to the north, there's a zone, a there's a witch. Phone, to the east, there's a zone, there's a witch, etc. How the, the hell do they get like? What's the Game of Thrones thing going on with the witches? Because I want to know how they're all related. That's weird, and how they pick their zones. I want to know how the fracking works. <laughs> I want to know if there's like weird gerrymandering. Well, there are specific. Well, there are specific. There's there's a quadling country, the country of the Winkies, the country of the Munchkins, and I can't remember what the last one is. Huh? <laughs> it's like ha. Uh, it's astounding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's new. He is just staring at me like, what is happening over there? He's just saying all these things. Mike has very good reading retention. Yeah. Um and so the That one that's coming out of the manhole. The Winkies are to the west and, and the yeah, the the wicked witch enslaved them. The wicked witch of the west enslaved the the Winkies. But how does she come to power? Huh? How does well, she come it, to power? Well, it depends that's on what story you read. Yeah. That's, that's part of what Here's here's the map of Oz if you want to take a look. Holy shit, there's a map of Oz. Oh yeah. Mm. There may or may not be two witches of the south. It's in the shape of yeah. America. Well, Does she was. Disturb anyone? Uh, she, uh, Glinda here is actually an amalgam in the film of the Witch of the Gilligan. North and the Witch of the South. Gillikin country. Gillikin, yeah. Is the is, is north the north? Quadling okay. is south. south. Uh, Winky is west. Munchkin and land Munchkin is like is southeast, east. right? Well, Munchkin, the Munchkins are in the east. That's why they were under the sway of the Wicked Witch of the East. Hmm. Now it makes sense. Um. But uh, yeah, the the. In the in the book, she lands on the Wicked Witch of the East. She's met by um, the uh, the Witch of the North with the the Munchkins, who I'm not sure is I can't remember if she's given a name. Um, she meets them, and then later on, after 
um, after Oz fucks him and, and takes off in his balloon and does that whole bit, they're like, shit and so they go to seek out glinda in the south this is and all so happening two, those are two separate uh, uh um witches that are brought into an amalgam in in the film to to tighten things up look at what they did on this set there's 150 yeah. little people there in uh-huh. yeah kind of scary costumes imagine if you were a drunk guy that works at mgm like a janitor and you woke up or like the munchkins and you woke up <laughs> and you woke up and they're filming in here no one's noticed you somehow and you're just like the fuck is happening to me yeah well, it'd yeah, be your I mean, own fear and loathing. Think, think or it's like it's like that experience with Trey with the penguins. Yeah, you're just yeah. you wake up and you go, "What the hell is happening?" A little little like parrot parade of yeah. penguins go by wearing little suits. The munchkins. Think, think of the casting director who, at some point, his boss went, "Okay, we need you to go find about three hundred. We need all the little people, all of them. Yeah, we need every dwarf in town and probably then some abroad. Yeah, they need to. Oh, we yeah, need ten ranks." In to be able to march we need three of them to be able to do ballet you need a couple dervishes they all need to dance <laughs> yeah yeah and uh i mean it's and they all have to look like total idiots who's in yeah but but i mean speaking of lord of the rings the level of detail at the time going into the munchkins because um like i said earlier um i can't remember if we were rolling or not but like i said earlier this was designed specifically by MGM to be a response to Snow White. Snow right. White had been this a massively successful film and it, for Disney, and MGM wanted a piece of that. And in fact, um, I was saying before, they sent out uh, um, these advertising packets, these, <laughs> these campaign books, and uh, the, the, uh, the, the 70th anniversary uh, Blu-ray set that I've got, the box set, uh, has a reproduction of the campaign book. Um and and it's funny because they have all these suggestions for how you could promote the Wizard of Oz coming to your theater and stuff like that. Uh, you know, p- put this on like hubcaps of cars and stuff. And uh, the corner is, is apparently uh, used to go to um, you know, big Oz events and stuff like that. Like he he would show up in um in parades like in his corner outfit and stuff like that. Even you know, fifty sixty years later. Um, but uh. And also the the d- date of death is L. Frank Baum's, uh, date. not the exact date, but like 30 years later or something, oh. um, so May 20th, I think. Um, Was this shot in this format? In Technicolor? Or, or are you talking about the aspect ratio? Yeah. Well, yes, because uh, widescreen did not exist. It didn't come into vogue until after television. Because this aspect ratio oh, is just the way a, you shot film. That's the way of differentiating it. And then when, when television came out, so yeah, if if anybody's like this is pan and scan, where's the widescreen version? There is no such thing. There is no widescreen version of of pretty much any film before the 1950s. That's when that kind of became invented with Ben Hur and stuff like that. And that's why ep- epic filmmaking took off um, at that stage because the studios were so frightened of television taking away their audience. Much as they're doing today with 3D, they were going. We have to give them something they can't get at home with the television experience, and so they came up with all these different formats of widescreen, and you know that's where VistaVision came from, and and uh, Panavision, and and I can't remember CinemaScope and all of that. Um, but that that consideration wasn't there, so they were just shooting the full frame of film. Uh, 35 millimeter film and that's why you have the square aspect ratio of uh, these earlier films Brian yes sir I still want to know where the red brick road went I agree my personal theory is that it goes to the water treatment plant <laughs> where they sing and smell like shit <laughs> well and listen there it actually it's Kansas it looks more like Kansas actually yeah. Munchkin Land is, a, is a, obviously a thriving very populous municipality they've got to have infrastructure of some kind 
you've got to set up the requisite plants somewhere. But they take a little bit. But anyway, the, the, what I was what I was getting at before with the Snow White thing. Yes, wait, is, let's, yeah. please talk these about are, real things. These are meant, these are uh, these guys are meant to be the dwarfs. Essentially, they're like the response to the right. like people like the dwarves. Well, so we and that's why a lot no of shit. The, I wouldn't have thought of that. That's why the mayor and the coroner and the the priest and all of them they're very distinguishable because the idea is in the same way that you've got you know oh, sleepy grumpy happy. This, this actual song breaks down into like seven little subparts where you know uh, the coroner must have air and yeah. all those little bits and you know lollipop guild and the fucking weird exactly. Ballerina. So you get so you're basically you're, you're getting your little camps of dwarves. Yes, exactly. Interesting. You're getting their version of the sleepy and the dopey and the happy. Itself. That must have really been... Th- this moment must have really been startling in theaters. Yeah. If you didn't necessarily know the story or anything, everyone's busily singing and dancing and all that stuff, and then there's an explosion, <laughs> and this thing is standing in the <laughs> middle of the, the... like Trying to teach you how to spell. Yeah. So, um, apparently... In earlier, a, a, a lot of killed my sister. A lot of the Wicked Witch hit the cutting room floor because she was so scary to people. Like they were, they would, they were running test screenings, and they had to like, they were, they were carrying kids out of there crying. They were like oh. too scary. No, nope. <laughs> dial it back. <laughs> the Wicked Witch is too scary. Now everyone, I think everyone knows the factoid about how in the book the silver, the slippers are silver, and yeah. they made them red because they look better on them. But here's the thing that I didn't know. Because it was just a company production, and MGM was like, you know, here's the company players, and here's the company wardrobe sets, and here's you know this stuff, you know, it just these slippers, like there's two or three pairs that she has in the movie, in the movie, just went back into the fucking storage and were kind of forgotten about for a long time until someone, and imagine you are this person, was just kind of going through boxes in that room and then pulled out one and just opens the lid and in it are these fucking sequined ruby slippers and you're like, can you imagine being that person? And you go, holy shit. Mm. Yeah, these are the oh my god! Can you imagine being like the really shittily paid <laughs> personal <laughs> assistant intern that's getting yelled at by the boss? You're like, go through the fucking storage and sort sort all those props. And you know, motherfucker, I'm gonna fish. I should have quit a million years ago. This is still to okay. Here's the shot where she. This yeah. is her third degree burns. The little, the little elevator, not in, not in this take. It's the take after this. The one. take after this. They use this because the other one, she was like, Tsk. yeah. Well, the in the in this take, the elevator draw that that you know in the in the trap door on the floor that helped her disappear. Um, it worked the way it's supposed to. In the in the subsequent take, the elevator didn't move fast enough, so she wasn't all the way out of the way so when that fireball that fire. went off. Yeah, and and the the she left for six weeks. The green paint was uh, copper-based in the same way that the Statue of Liberty is copper and turned green. They they were like, hey, and they figured that would work for makeup, I guess. And so they, and so the the makeup was copper-based. Later, this actress grew a horn. And Yeah, and, and uh, so when, when the fire went off, there was kind of a chemical reaction, and they had to grab her and get the makeup off or it would have burned her face off. And she still sustained, you know, second and third degree burns that had to be treated. I really want to know where the red brick road goes. No, there there, there, there is has, no official explanation. It never like becomes part of any other story. I don't think it ex- it. Ex- I, I think it's just part of the the set oh. decoration. It doesn't exist in the book. By the way, Dorothy is lucky that there, Oz is in color because otherwise, follow the yellow brick road would be yeah. really tricky. Yeah, there isn't there is an argument. Uh, uh, people argue that it probably goes to Glinda's country because she hops in her bubble and heads off basically in the direction that the red brick road. Right here, the show goes along. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so the the argument is that uh, it probably goes off to the north to goes off to that psych. Yeah, exactly. And then on set that day, just a bunch of little people screaming at a wall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, 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 just the surreality of what must have been going on on those set days just is so is so adorable to me. Like this is the weirdest thing that could have ever happened. Yeah, it's really impressive. It's just imagine being there, just like, what the fuck are we doing here today, guys? Uh, I, I just got over from this like de- 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 detective picture. What are you guys doing with the? I'll let myself out. Yeah, isn't it? I think it's Trey who you know mentioned at one point. Uh, there's there's some like behind the scenes photo of a guy from you know the Wizard of Oz in the tree, uh, and like but he's like half out of the tree. <clears throat> And it's like it's a behind the scenes photo, so he's kind of looking back at the camera, and he's got this look on his face. It's like the fuck are we fucking doing? another day on set, mm-hmm. I guess. Fucking whatever this thing is, well, we'll j- never know who he is because they yeah. don't credit yeah. Art Swing or anybody else yeah. like that. No, as a matter of fact, uh, back in back in these days, there was a, a the the culture of the studios was That's that a huge set. Yeah. Stop it! Oh my god! And by the way, that camera move, which is not really that impressive looking at it now because we're so used to cameras moving like that that was a big deal at the time you didn't really move cameras like that and and uh, about uh, to walk into the wall particularly because cameras of of that time were about the size of your piano and so so they they really had to all of these crane shots nearly as good yeah all all of these crane shots and stuff like that were um um really tremendously you know innovative for the time there's a whole bunch of examples of people just like really just kind of being dicks in like <laughs> in a way that is clearly like just was not intended. Right. You know, people just aren't thinking about it. But like this moment is perfect in the sense of follow the yellow brick road. Okay, awesome. I will go on my journey. Yeah. And now she comes to ah, a crossroads. <laughs> and so none of the munchkin landers were like, by the way, there's going to be take a left. Yeah. In like two miles, just go left. Like none of them thought to be that specific. Well, it would, be, it would be hilarious if I was doing like the, the the Joss Whedon parody version of this. Is this intersection is only like 500 yards away from the city? So she gets here. It's like oh, goes back, and the place is abandoned, and they've like taken down all the buildings, and it's just like fucking Munchkins. <laughs> oh yeah, they do that. They don't li- they they do- they don't live here. They were just <laughs> oh they they're not from here. They, they saw you. Why coming, would you listen to them? And they you're here forever, it, man. You yeah, they thought yourself. they just thought it'd be funny. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know where to go? No, I don't. Just wander around until you see something that's out of Logan's run. Yeah. So this uh, this sequence or this scene was um, shot a couple of times, and there's a initially bit of way longer. Can, oh yeah, there was a the the his. Uh, his version of uh, his "If I Only Had a Brain" um, was had this huge dance number that you can see on you know since the advent of DVD and stuff like that. It's it's all over the place, but it is very long and and was a good well a wise choice to cut because it would have slowed slowed the movie down. They did a really good seam job on this makeup because it looks exactly like his head is a bag. Mm-hmm. Did it, the makeup ever kill him? Because that seems like a pretty consistent thing with characters in this movie. No, but the no. guy who was initially the Tin Man but then had to go into an iron lung for we'll get, two weeks we'll because yeah. Yeah. He, he lived longer than everyone else in the movie. <laughs> that guy died 18 years after the other principal players. Well, wow. yeah, or something for, like that. Sorry, the couple of the Munchkin Landers are still alive. Well, yeah. yeah. But, like, but the, 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 the thing, the, the statement is the principal players but he, he, the one that like was almost killed first on this movie the longest so yeah like so so final destination is bullshit when (laughs) when like unionization 
of talent and everything started happening. Was this ever cited as being a particularly bad case of <laughs> everybody getting completely screwed up? Or I, uh, I, if it's honestly not, then I feel bad for the people in the other movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the people who were used to see yeah. they were routinely just chopping <laughs> off their legs for fun. They thought it yeah, more like of a we're, we're kind of forgetting that the people that are in charge and funding movies like this are like some of the most ruthless, terrible individuals. Like, right. Yeah, it's essentially like the bosses of an old West town because that's what Los Angeles <laughs> was for probably about fifty years after uh, after the studios were founded. Mm. Yeah, this takes yeah. me. So it's like we're sitting here giggling about like <laughs> the guy almost died, but like seriously, but seriously, really. people almost died, and in other cases, routinely people died, died yeah. and were burned and disfigured and really, really awful stuff. Yeah, it's it's way to bring it down, Paul. Yeah, it is. But it is it is interesting to to think about, you know, because because a lot of them nowadays, like you know, Margaret Hamilton tells that story and stuff like that. But she goes, "But I'm the I'm the wicked witch, <laughs> like forever. I'm the wicked witch of the West. So you know, it I I still have a face, and I'm the wicked witch. So it all worked out in the end." Wasn't she like, no, it was because somebody else was going to be the Wicked Witch because she thought it was going to be a more nuanced character. And then it was it was also going to be uh, less ugly. If you look at less ugly, if you if you look at some of the original tests, it's actually amazing because they wanted to make her like the evil queen, the evil witch in uh, Snow White. Again, it's like if you if you look at some of the early versions of stuff and even into this version, it's like it's almost once this pointed out, it's like it's almost clearly a ripoff of Snow White, like the way they they went in this direction. But um, there are, there are pictures of of the original actress, and I can't remember her name uh, off the top of my head. Uh, and there is the one of the first tests is she literally looks like a live action version of the Queen in Snow White, hmm. um, but with the hat. Did it look good? It did look good, and it was actually, you, you know, know the idea was that she was she was supposed to be very um, beautiful and terrifying, but the the studio heads prevailed, and they were like, she is supposed to be a hideous crone. She's not supposed to be the queen. Okay, Snow White. She's not supposed to be the queen. She's supposed to be that thing the queen is when she gives Snow White the apple. That's what the witch is supposed right. to be. Um, and so they altered it and and the, that was the, the last previous time in actress Hollywood history that the studio execs were like it has to be more like the book yeah exactly and so the uh the previous actress um decided that she wasn't that interested and margaret hamilton um stepped in is that is that from this movie the pointed hat like green skin thing for witches yeah that was no, that, that, was, that was prior to this movie and they went to that image because that was the established image of witches was I the thought. green skin i don't think so not the green skin not the green skin oh, yeah. but the pointed hat i think the pointed hat yeah. maybe tr- may, that the may be the case and the and the broom they and the broomstick, they, yeah. the broomstick didn't exist that's in a real the, toucan in the can. that's a real toucan oh yeah. yeah there are birds all over the place that which is where that rumor comes from of yeah. seeing the, yeah. the suicidal which munchkin we we should we already missed it we, is no, it no, it's, oh, a, it's, it's, it's coming up. Sequence, yeah. It's it, coming up around the Tin Man it, or something like that. Yeah, it's like after that. the Tin Man, I think. Oh, also keep keep so, your eye yeah, out. Yeah, this guy, like one of these guys, would have been the behind the scenes. Yeah, picture. keep keep your eyes out when the uh, um, when the tree throws the first apple at the scarecrow and he falls down and Dorothy goes to help him. The camera pans down and you can catch that because they didn't think they were shooting that way. Dorothy is not wearing the ruby slippers; she's wearing some black like leather shoes no shit yeah so you can you can catch it for like half a half a second at the lower right hand corner when the the tree throws the first apple at the scarecrow and a couple shots here but the uh the trees were also 
the the tr- a, a lot of this stuff was kind of taken from the book but rearranged. So there was a scene where they fought trees, but this apple business. So right here, black shoes. Oh, um, they just didn't think she would back up that far. Yeah, but now she's in the slippers again. And uh, the the Tin Woodman was not. They did, th- this is an interesting way to do it, and I I like the the transition because uh, as as I think. Was it was it you, Ian, that was saying that the the books were all just very episodic and just stuff happening without? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was definitely that way. So I like that they transitioned from the uh, the trees to accidentally finding the woodman. Um, whereas before they're just walking along and they come upon a tin woodman, which is woodman. the kind of thing that you know. Again, it, this was designed to be a fairy tale, and it's very much the kind of thing that happens in fairy tales. I have a question for the people in the chat room. Folks that didn't grow up in the United States, did you also get, like, force-fed this movie as a kid? Like, is this, like, a worldwide thing that all kids watch this movie when they grow up? Like, I don't know, most Disney movies? Or Answer is, when you're ready. Or is it a distinctly kind of American thing? This like makeup really does work. Oh, yeah. This is a this is a great I, makeup and a great excuse. And me, I get the sense that they're, that they're fixed, because the first guy, they just literally, like, sprayed aluminum dust on his face. Yeah. And apparently, if you're even kind of allergic to that shit, your lungs explode. Uh, for him, what they did was they put white clown grease paint on his face it's first. Funny because, and it gives it kind of a wetter, metallic look yeah. that I think looks great. It's funny because people, t- like when they talk about it, they're like, oh yeah, it turned out he had an allergic reaction to the makeup. I'm like, I'm not sure it's an allergy so much as inhaling metal powder. <laughs> I, I think anyone is allergic to that in the sense that you can't do that. You know, some pe- smokers, smokers have like tar in their lungs. Yeah. I have a little like Monopoly piece now. Just right in there. Yeah, guys, I have a really bad fire allergy, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super, and if I get that in my lungs, my lungs really don't like it. (laughs) Anyway, in the chat, Owen Ward says, every Christmas Eve. I think every kid had a taped copy from a Christmas Eve showing somewhere. Nice. All right. Well, there you go. Ha ha. America. (laughs) So I was saying, I was saying uh, You will take our culture? They were talking about... You will take our weird culture. (laughs) On the Blu-ray, they talk about the restoration process and stuff like that and how, um, you know, there are people who have restored it for the VHS and for DVD and stuff and uh, restoring it for high def. They were noticing things that they never did before because of just the the resolution and the image quality and the thing that they point out is... And that I never noticed either and now I can't not pay attention to it. Are you sure you want to say this? Because right now this movie's perfect. Yeah, no, no, it's not a problem. It's actually a a big thing in the the detail is that uh, the Tin Man actually has a little rivet right between his eyes that, like, if you watch it on, on VHS or DVD, it just gets lost in the, you know, in the, in the detail, but, but, the the quality is is uh, the the resolution is so high that you can actually see it. And when they were restoring it, holy going, crap! When they were restoring it, they're going, "What is that? I've never." You know, people who've been working on this movie for like twenty years in various incarnations are going, "What the hell?" And they'd never seen it before. Yeah, I never really time. appreciated the weathering that is on his costume. That and also on his face. Yeah, yeah, on his face. Too. It's uh, but like I never really, in my mind's eye of what the Tin Woodman looks like. The weathering was never really a part of it, but it's actually really nicely done. Yeah, he cl- well, they cleaned him up in Oz. Um, oh yeah, uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah, so sure. that's his. So uh, just like look. Star Wars, there was someone tasked or with the cleaning Emerald the metal City, guy's rather. butt. Um, yeah, uh, the uh, it, there's there's a lot of similarities between what he went through and what Anthony Daniels went through in their respective uh, uh, costumes, and and there is an argument to be made. I've seen people make it of of kind of. Um, some cor- definite correlations between this having probably influenced and the character type, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll bet you that outfit 
monkey bites like a bitch. <laughs> like you think your stormtrooper outfit pinches. This guy's dancing and ow, like right there, it looks like he just like clumped a big chunk of skin out of the inside of his knee. No. I'm sure he's wearing spandex underneath it, but yeah, still. this isn't actually. I'm not sure if spandex existed, but um, this also doesn't look like. Plastic. I'm sure he's wearing this lingerie. Is, yeah, this when isn't. She was like banging on it. It was folding. Yeah, this isn't. This isn't actually uh, tin. I think it's like uh, paper they said it was paper mache, but uh, it is still very stiff to the point that, like Anthony Daniels, when he relaxed, he w- he reclined on a board. He couldn't sit. You can really sit down. He just had to stand kind of at an angle. <laughs> Dorothy's like, okay, okay. You are, uh, yeah, yeah. This is. I, I still love this, this little effect. Oot, oot. Um, I, I went how to the, a... Wait, uh, how... Pump? <laughs> yeah, wait, how did... Uh, um, yeah, it's... It looks like flower in his head and there's someone off screen with it the was, pump? No, it was talcum powder and there's the pump is under his arm. So when he goes, oh. boom, boom, he just oh. pumps it right out the top there. Well done. Um, I actually went to a, um, a screening of this at the Hollywood Bowl. It was like a sing-along screening and a bunch of people showed Eddie, up. you're okay. Yeah. You're okay. You okay, Annie? <laughs> it's the, this is the exact same trick that Michael Jackson used to use. Foot hooks. Yep. Um, you also you do need some serious muscles. Yeah, you can't just do that. But yeah, there was a there was a guy. Yeah, that'll that'll work your hamstrings, or you'll go flat on your face. Um, uh, in his case, ham cords. <laughs> but uh, ham cables. I there were there was like a little costume contest and stuff like that, and there were lots of drag queens. But because uh, Hollywood, but there was a guy who was a Tin Man, and he was he was more. He was he was the Tin Man from kind of the illustrations, the classic book illustrations. So he's much much skinnier and like more angular on the face, and there was he was wearing a whole mask as opposed to just makeup. But he he went up there and was was showing off his costume, and then he goes toot toot, and it came out of the the top, and everyone just fucking lost it. Everyone <laughs> like he won the contest because it was like oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> Attention to detail, son. Yeah. Her performance, I think, is actually really amazing, given the time, because, like, like we were saying, a lot of, there weren't a lot of fantasy movies like this, there, there, and to, to, she didn't have a reference <laughs> to, to play this role, and she just kind of went, okay, Wiggy Witch, I'm gonna, And Julia Roberts did. Yeah. And she just, she just went for it and, and wound up creating the reference for everybody after her, and it's, it's. And really, apparently, and apparently really, the Tin Man set up the precedent for all the metal people in yeah. the movies. But it's it's really astonishing that kind of thing to to just come in and again be a contracted player and go, "You're doing the Wicked Witch, okay?" And, and that's what she brings. She's like, "Well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it." Is this also responsible for the tropes of like the villain apparating? Just kind of menacing everybody a little bit, and then going <laughs> yeah. away again for the next. And, and like being very menacing, but not actually being able to do anything. Yeah, so, I don't know. She just fucking like threw a Dragon Ball Z at her. Yeah, but yeah. But <laughs> later, later on, she's like, "I'm gonna get those shoes," and then she actually tries to get the shoes and completely cannot get the shoes yeah. at all. <laughs> so she has to kill Dorothy. And what to is get the shoes. what's the kind of social or the the political structure where it's like okay, so two of the most powerful like. Here comes the evil and munchkin. least evil. Yeah, yeah. Kind of person right can here. stick around and then right. Is this shot of the reverse? There it is. Yeah, that's right there. Yeah. So it's actually like a pheasant or an emu or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I, I don't want to like shit on people too hard because with the Blu-ray, it's clearly a bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess if you were watching it on like a 12-inch screen, something uh, moved. It was day. a dead guy. Yeah, that was clearly like right there. Yeah. Yeah. You see the wing go out like that, and that's probably someone thought the, they the saw something swinging. swinging and, yeah. yeah. But like, but. As far as the um, the power structure goes, 
in this movie. You with, just have a two powerful, extremely contrasting people, and they just kind of talk a little bit and then disappear again. Yeah, and like, is that touched upon at all in any of the books? Or which which other? two powerful? You have the two witches Clinda that are just like standing in a like witch. next to each other and not really doing anything about it. Oh right. Even and like Dorothy is sort of kind of like a pawn in whatever game they're playing, but yeah. not really. Yeah, because you were yeah. saying that like halfway through the movie, it's like, well, just go kill people for me. It's yeah. Like, well, why don't you guys just kill each other? Well, in the, magic. In the well, what, well, in what the book is the wizard saying, "Go kill." Yeah. My in, in the book, for me. well, in the book, what happens is they get they, the the process is very similar. They they eventually get to the Emerald City and they're like, "We want to talk to the wizard," um, and he brings them each in individually, as opposed to the the one scene where they all meet him as the giant head. He brings them each in and he appears to them in different different forms um dorothy gets the giant head uh the scarecrow gets a pretty lady uh the uh the tin man gets a a big like monster beast thing and the the uh, cowardly lion gets a big ball of fire which probably should have been given to the scarecrow if you're gonna try and scare him but um and and each time they ask for their thing and he says i'll give that to you uh, i can i'll do that for you if you kill the wicked witch of the west Okay. And and it's it's it is kind of interesting because um, Dorothy goes in first and he says I'll I'll do that if you kill the wicked witch and she's like well I'm not sure I can do that he's like well then fuck you and uh, <laughs> and then the scarecrow goes in and he he goes okay brains all right uh, I'll do that if you kill the wicked witch of the west and he, he goes isn't that the thing you told isn't that Dorothy's deal and he's like I don't fucking care who does it just make it happen <laughs> and so so they go to uh, take on the wicked witch and. Um, they eventually kill her and then they come the you know with water they do the the water thing yeah. which is actually better justified in the in the movie because what happens is that the wicked witch sends her flying monkeys which is a completely uh, an even more complicated there's like a whole thing with them and like a magic hat that controls them and stuff like that and they've got like three you can we'll use them three times three times yeah, yeah. um but uh, she sends them, and so they tear apart the the scarecrow, and they drop the Tin Man into you know a canyon or something. And then oh, they, I remember this now. And then they bring the the cowardly lion because she wants to enslave him, and because Dorothy has been kissed by the the witch of the north, she has the protection of the witch of the north, and she can't be harmed by the witch. So the witch just kidnaps her and goes, "Okay, I'm gonna figure this out." And when I do, oh boy! Um, but she wants the the silver slippers, and what what happens? <laughs> is that she put she puts like a, a bar on the floor and then she uses her magic to make it invisible so Dorothy will trip over it and one of her shoes falls off and the witch grabs it and puts it on because she can't she can't take it right, off right right um but if it falls off then she can get it the witch grabs it and puts it on and goes haha I've got one of your shoes and I'm gonna get the the other one too and Dorothy is so mad at her that she grabs a bucket of water and throw just she doesn't know it's gonna do anything she's just so pissed that she decides she wants to do she does the Gatorade thing <laughs> yeah and and it, she's like throwing a cup in her face and that kills the witch and she's like oh that escalated quickly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's alright sorry and that, so I have seen they, that move on SportsCenter a hundred times yeah. they never died I, I've, I feel like having just basically read that scene from the Wicked point of view that Dorothy was still trying to help her in some sense but I read this book a week ago and I've already forgotten did, what the context was it's not no it, it seems as I recall in Wicked it was more like She's, you know, misunderstood in her castle and she's seeing the the little party coming up yeah, against no, her. Yeah, that's definitely part of it, yeah. And uh But then when Dorothy finally gets there, uh the context is still like Dorothy thinks she's helping somehow and oh. just has no idea. I don't know. Right. But Dorothy in in uh 
in Wicked, Dorothy is a little bit more awful. She's it well, just, yeah, because it's, from, it's, it's from, from the witch's point of view, and it's it, she, she's not like deliberately awful. She's just kind of a ditz, and so she's being awful without realizing it. She's just kind of like, hey, okay, so uh, I got a, the wizard sent me to like get your broom. So is that okay? <laughs> it's like this whole thing, and just the way that bullseye Dorothy. Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is Elphaba a thing from the actual no, palm text, no, or is that a made-up name? That's a creation by... Um, it's a weird McGuire. It's a yeah. weird name. Yeah, Greg is that a name from history or something? No, he actually, I actually think it's really cool how he came up with it. He pulled it from Frank L. Frank L- Baum's L- initials. L-F-B. Elphaba. Huh. Yeah, I actually, after rewatching... Wow, that's great. Rewatching Wizard of Oz last night, I watched Oz the Great and Powerful. Still haven't seen that. Don't couldn't uh, couldn't be buggered. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll probably we should do that at some point to contrast with this. But uh, well, I show, love everything that James Franco is in. So this guy, <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen the face. Uh, but the uh, the you were talking you were talking about the detail on the on the Tin Man and the, there's a there's a fun piece of trivia that they had actually shot with him for a couple days before the director went wait. He's supposed to be rusty. Like, they come across, across oh. him, and he's been all rusted, and he can't move. Why isn't he rusty? And they were like, shit. And they, so they fixed it and had to go back. Those monkeys are terrifying. The, they the, are. And you know what it is? It's the face. It's the goddamn mask. Yeah. That flying monkey is named Nico. They never say it, but he's got a name, and he's credited, credited did you read as the, Nico. Did you read the EU comics? Yeah. He's got a whole line about him. Just him. Well, that's, that's the cool thing about something in the public domain. Like... You're writing stuff for this, and it's not fan fiction. It's just yeah. fiction. Yeah. Now you can is just write. Is this movie Oz. in the public domain? No, no, no. The stories. Oh, okay, good. Which is yeah. So like, there's they can just make shit up. So but, stuff like Wicked, like that yeah. exists, and I guess you can kind of say that that's part of the world now. But yeah, but Wicked is Wicked is right on the edge because there are clearly like the Bobby. fact that she's green is clearly Bobby. from the MGM movie and not from Bomb's story. But really, nothing. She is not hardly a character in the bomb story, so you can't really argue that as anything other than an. I like how you keep using sentences that include the bomb. <laughs> in the bomb story, yeah. That Hello, story FBI. The bomb. <laughs> in the book, the the poppies. Should never read Wizard of Oz on an airplane because it just gets bad fast. In the book, the poppies are are a naturally occurring thing. There's just a field of poppies, and the smell of the opium is so strong that it'll just put you to sleep and you sleep forever yeah okay Um, so in wicked it says that she's waving around her broom which is on fire and accidentally catches her skirt on fire so dorothy is trying to help her oh okay okay but maybe maybe he's taking a piece from the movie and adjusting it from yeah probably the book because he mcguire in writing wicked miss mixes and matches a little bit from book and uh, oh yeah yeah I mean, ju- just the element, like we were saying, the the whole aspect of her being green and that whole business yeah, is yeah, yeah. is a, a huge part of Wicked, and it's from the movie. Not Those were the really movie. quick camera moves for yeah. something that size. Oh yeah, they were really close. And Those things were, were just, running. They were just rampaging that thing across the stage. It's it's really astounding. Paul, didn't your buddy work on this restoration? Um, this is the Blu-ray. The, either the titles or something. Right on. I'm not sure. I wonder how much restoration they did to the effects. Because I don't remember those the Emerald City map painting sparkling before. I remember there being sparkles, but not that they were actively like blinking. And I I think they did because later on in the Witch's Castle as well, um, there's the big map painting when they're in the uh, um, kind of the turrets uh, at, and they're being chased by the Winky guards. Um, and uh, if you look, if you look down, there's a river, and the river is actually twinkling as well. I think it's always been there, just you like the noticed. rivet on his face. You you never noticed it until. Until you can actually see it on uh, at Blu-ray quality, 
So there is uh, speculation that the uh, that the original Wizard of Oz is an allegory for the United States going on the gold standard. I've the heard that, going, yes. Well, going off the gold going standard. Going off yeah, the gold standard. To a, a combination gold and silver standard, which yeah. the I, shoes I, For were some silver. reason, I thought this was a more well-known thing about Wizard of Oz, because I've known it since high school, but I, I guess I just had a cool history teacher. No, oh, no, I, but, I didn't know it until bom- uh, to, to my knowledge, Baum claims that yeah, he, it, or he never, he never stated that. He never came out right. and said that. So. No, it's one of those, you know... Oh, back, back to... Doing horrible things to the actors, these snowflakes are actually asbestos flakes. <laughs> are you shitting me? Which they knew at the time. They knew at the time asbestos. asbestos. Well, in their, asbe- in their defense, that asbestos looks a lot like snow. So good job, guys. More. More. Anyway. No, the whole populism thing, It's it, it's been said that there's an allegory to like William Jennings Bryan and the whole populist movement getting off the gold standard and everyone has a place and Dorothy represents the people of America and uh, you know the tin man is this guy and the witches are these politicians that are ineffectual hence talking and never actually doing anything well and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's it's it, the more you learn about it you go hey yeah that makes total sense but it also it 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 seems very much like one of those Kubrick's a genius because of the angles sort of retcon yeah. things yeah. it's the, um, it's the Pixar theory of its day I mean the other thing <laughs> the other thing along those lines in terms of like dude it was meant to be done like this is the whole Pink Floyd uh, Dark Side of the Moon thing mm-hmm. uh, which yep totally fits also yep fucking coincidence back off um yeah but the whole i never i i don't buy into the i don't disagree with the fact that you can make a plausible argument that there is useful symbology but it's also the most like cambellian story that's ever happened so you're gonna find symbology for pretty much every damn thing in this movie yeah i think i, you can I, make, I don't think it's a populism thing intentionally you can make an argument of of just about anything you know with with something that with, with something that's well constructed and a coherent story it's like well with, with, with you can with really distinct characters yeah you can go, okay, well, this one's that. Hey, look at this miniature. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that adorable? Yeah, I always thought it was cute. They just hang on it for too long. Mm-hmm. Like, if it just were, like, one moment shorter, it would You're totally work. You better than I. It would cranked a little bit. It would have looked yeah. better. So this is a huge map painting. Just, like, Dude, just above their heads. It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy's a huge map painting. Yeah. <laughs> I was always... I've always been a little uh, confused whether or not... Hey, that's the guy again. I didn't, reali- I didn't realize that was the same guy. Yeah, whether or not we're supposed to understand that the wizard is, like, amusing himself <laughs> by doing this. If he, if he is actually the wizard or they're just using the same actor. Or if they're again. just using the same actor and doing a Peter Sellers thing. I think it's supposed to be the Peter Sellers thing. It's it's funnier if he's the wizard. Then it, it, makes, it is funnier then it if he's the wizard. It, it gives him, like, a perfect Yoda thing where he's, like, he, he fucks with his visitors before revealing that he's the guy who's in charge. Yeah. Or, or just he's he's got nothing else to do because he never wants anyone to talk to him because he's he's at risk of revealing that he he is completely ineffectual. So. I like that retcon more than populism. Yeah. Oh, I was watching this and and totally thinking about how it, they they're not really pushing it, but I'm like there there is a political satire in Oz and in the way these things are run and in the 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 Emerald City and stuff like that. That isn't. That that you could totally play with, where it's like you know the the wizard, the, the, you know the witch appears, and and this guy who is either the wizard or a guard played by the same guy, just goes, no, it's cool, go home, everything's fine, <laughs> we got this, go home. Um, and there's there's an aspect, you know, they they have their whole uh, you know makeovers and stuff like that, and you got to imagine there was a time where. Things were getting bad in the Emerald City, and you know people couldn't really eat and anything. And he was like, "Free many pennies for all." And they're like, "The wizard is awesome," and they just forgot that they couldn't eat or anything. And he's so there's this there's this whole aspect of the the very kind of fancy 
um, Emerald City just to so, keep them distracted. And actually, the, on, the Wiz. The, so this shot, the heart, the horse is clearly white. We've had two yeah. shots where the horse is very clearly white. Uh-huh. And then it'll come back out in a, yeah. in a second. You know, the horse is here. You go. It's purple or it's whatever. It's the horse it of a different color. So every time to- is the idea that the is- horse changes color. Okay. So, so because it, in the next shot it's going to be red. Okay. Uh, it, right. Yeah, it, it's a joke. He's, it's the horse of a different, which is an idiom that people don't really use anymore. Um, but that's when you're, uh, when you're when you're having an argument and and you know you're basically. I'm trying to think of an example. Yeah, it's like, well, when you put it that way, it's you're saying. Well, on the other hand, on the other, well, no, you're saying if you're having an argument with somebody, and then and then and you provide a piece of information that's new, yeah, and, they, and they, they just like totally change their mind, like, well, yeah. that's a horse of a different color. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, we're talking, okay. we're talking about something other than what I thought we were talking about. Right. That's a horse of a different color, and so the the kind you're of right, the, Alice in Wonderlandy gag here is that the horse of a different color is a real it's existing more like horse. a phantom tollboothy thing, but yeah, but the uh, it never. The, that's true. That it is more phantom. Total. I always like in my mind. It was always like that. There were just the horses were all different colors, and it was like multiple horses in here. But no, no. it's just one horse. That it's changes it's color. one horse that changes color. Which, by the way, in Oz is great and powerful. I will point it out if we ever do it. But at the very end, where they're showing the whole Sorry, city. Sorry, real quick. When I was a kid, city. I thought that was a blade, and oh, I was yeah. like, "What the hell? They're not cleaning him. They're torturing him." <laughs> ah! They show a big shot of the Emerald City, like right towards the end, and there's this horse just trotting around, and I'm like, "That horse better fucking change color." As I'm staring, at, I'm staring right at the horse. Nope, just trots around, being one color the whole time. And I was like, "This is fucking bullshit." That's like, a horse of the same color. That was that was like the the straw that broke my back on that one. I was like, "No, this movie is bullshit." If they couldn't even make that horse change color, they do not understand Oz. Was it a crazy color? At least it was white. No, it was just no, was a white a horse, normal horse color. prancing around. Yeah. Wait, why are you saying that white's the only not crazy color? It's racist. Because the, the white oh. horses are clearly superior. It's racist. <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> My God. Also in the book, uh, uh, kind of tying into that, uh, the satire aspect of it. Um, Dementors in this thing? Well, I'll talk, I, actually, I'll talk about it in <laughs> another second. Look how huge that plume is. Because this is actually pretty impressive. This is a, this is a little cloud tank. That they have a little, they're they're no using, way. yeah, they're using a little. I always thought it was just like an actual skywriter that they use, but they they shot underneath a little cloud tank and they had a little uh, syringe of ink that they went into. That's crazy. And that's how they, it works they beautifully. Yeah, never would have thought of that. But in real life, how long would it have taken her to write all of that out? Oh you, no! You, and the, the, the and the funny thing is, I I I'm not sure they were doing it to be funny, and that's why they cut it. Um, but it was like. It, it was it was like a much longer message that she wrote. She was like, "Surrender, Dorothy, or you will die." And then she signed it like with her name, like WW. You know, it's like mm. hugs and kisses. You know, XOXO. Titles, titles, titles. P.S. Can you get my laundry? Did you guys see that Kickstarter where they were trying to raise money to write "How do I land in the sky" with skywriting? That's hilarious. I remember hearing about that. It succeeded, right? I think it made its goal. Oh my! That's funny as hell. <laughs> I like to think now that you've mentioned it, Mike, or just because I've now noticed that it's the same actor in all these things. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be the wizard yeah. because the way he's acting, he's like, huh? no, yeah. he's got it uh, totally under control. And actually, there's a gag that you uh, when he when he first comes up, his his mustache is up and then now his mustache is down. And apparently there was a just a little snippet, another little Alice in Wonderland thing um, where, you know, in in. England and stuff like that you have the changing of the guard so he announced the changing of the guard and then flipped over his mustache <laughs> and then continued the conversation with them 
<laughs> but they, but it's like that it was running too long, or I guess the gag didn't play, and so they just cut that out, and now his mustache flips, and you know, continuity being what it is to the human brain, most people don't even notice. Maybe Dorothy and all of her companions just have prosopagnosia. <laughs> they just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we're looking through through their eyes. It's like everybody looks like the same person. I don't know what to. They're all wearing green. Yeah. I don't. I can't do anything else. In the in the in the book, the uh, even the Emerald City is is a, a trick. It's a hump because when you go to the Emerald City, they put these. They lock these green spectacles on you. They're like yeah. the, the brilliance of the Emerald City will blind you unless we put these. So they actually put them on and they lock behind your head. You can't get them off. There's one person at the gates who has the key, and then they discover from the the wizard. He's like, everything just looks green because you wear those things. <laughs> like, They're like, the, the city's not green? He's like, well, it's about as green as any other city. It's just, but everybody's wearing that shit, and they, I told them it was an emerald city, and they fucking bought it. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, the songs in this movie are really great. This is the last one, too. You, think of, you would think of this movie as a musical, but this is the last, and we still got like another- Well, well there's musical uh, elements. You have the guards singing oh, sure. the Oreo song. <laughs> <laughs> Bert, Bert Lawrence Oreo White stuff uh, It's interesting to actually watch some of the behind the scenes stuff with him Because I only really know him as the Cowardly Lion But he was like the Jim Carrey of his day Really? Because he kind of sucks He was uh, he was a big for his day and, and he's very vaudeville in what he's doing He's bringing his thing it's, it's very much It's like when Jim Carrey played the Grinch You look at it and you go This is Jim Carrey in the Grinch makeup, doing Jim Carrey in the Grinch makeup. Like, that's kind of what the Cowardly Lion was in those days. But because we don't really know Bert Lahr anymore, it's just, that's the Cowardly Lion. He was forgotten forever. <laughs> but yeah, he had the, uh, that thing was actually made of lion fur. That was like a lion no skin. No way. Yeah. The, uh, that's uh, fucked up. Yeah, and, uh, well, there's... There's the store. There's one story where they say it was a lion skin that he wore, and then there was another where it was he got a suit made of lion skin, but it wasn't properly tanned, so it started to like decay. And they're like, no, and they so they just made it out of you know, a, they made a fake uh, fur instead. But either way, that was uh, a thing that happened. He, he, yeah, that was the thing that happened. And also his, I mean, the fact that he can perform at all in this suit is kind of astounding because it would have been so hot in this suit um not just the heat of the suit itself but the heat of the lights and the amount of lights that they had to use for the technicolor process i mean nowadays just wherever so so everybody knows you know nowadays film has ratings it's an asa rating or people who are familiar with digital think of it as the iso but um you know the red camera was originally 320 now it's 800 i mean there are cameras that are much more sensitive that go to 1600 32 effectively you can use less light and it's fine you can use less light the higher the number goes um so would you like to guess what the asa rating of technicolor the technicolor process was mm. 25 5 5 jesus what i think i think the so this set is I, the sun oh uh, yeah yeah this set is boiling everyone is dying on this set it is so hot also today you can get brighter lights with less um yeah heat yeah at the pollution. time this this was just lighting fires and hoping it was heat radiation enough. yeah nope, need crazy. more fire yeah 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the and the the lighting technology at the time, it was like it would get to a point where the entire stage would fill with smoke, so they had to between takes open the doors, which everyone was cool with because then the air came in, but they they didn't do it for the actors. They did it to clear the smoke so that they could shoot again. Do you know anything? What was the kind of lighting setup with this light? Cuz it looks mostly very sourcey and very uh directional but i'm sure there's just like tons of fill everywhere even though that yeah, guy well, loved this shot he's like ah, i think it was water a, I, there, there would have been a really you know massive uh lighting grid above them it, it was primarily from there because they because they have these huge sweeping shots so they can't you know they can't have a lot of lights on the floor um to get in close oh i just saw a camera shadow speaking of which no, that was a midget killing himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a little person oh, killing himself. Awesome. <laughs> there we go. Come on, Teague. It's 2013. <laughs> it's 2013. <laughs> oh, Tyrion. You think that has to do with why the matte paintings look a little more matte painting-y? Because they're not... Just be- well, just because the stages had to be so flush with light that everything in the backgrounds couldn't stand to be as directional as a matte painter would be used yeah, to painting I guess with like true. one one sun source yeah, yeah. Sure. this is just oh, yeah, like yeah. They, completely cross-lit like they, off they, the they did the painter go okay the shadow is going to go here yeah they, they, yeah they basically going to do that they, they had to You're probably right that's a good they had to accept that they were making a, a stylized they were making live action cartoon in a lot of ways i mean um you know we're so used to this we're so used to this movie now, but just look at this group of people and you're going, what the hell is going on on this screen right now? You know, nobody made, no, this never happened before. That's like, a white girl. Who's going to do this? Um, but of course now it's so iconic that you don't even question the idea of these characters being played by humans. I don't care if he's a fake wizard. He has a great foyer. Yeah. Look at that shit. That's like, um, yeah, Who's and the, of course the reason the reason that he syndrome asked, that's like syndromes. Yes, yeah. the reason that he is very like forbidden planety. Oh yeah, the reason that he asked them to kill the wicked witch of the west obviously is because he has no powers of his own, and so in the book, and 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 here as well. Although he doesn't say kill her, they soften it. He just says, "Bring me the broomstick of the wicked witch of the west." And the scarecrow goes, "We'd have to kill her to do that." And the <laughs> wizard goes, "I didn't say that. You did." <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, that's a horse of a different color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was you. You got, you know, I was saying to ask, but I just. I want the broomstick. Well, you do what you think you, you, like, you do. do what you got to like do. Shitty, I don't want to hear about it's it. It's like that shitty thing that dads do sometimes where they're like, and you, they're, like they're like, so you're, you know, sleeping with that person? How did you know? I didn't, but now I do. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. I just learned a lot about Teague's relationship with his dad. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't like it when I slept with the llamas. <laughs> Yeah, well, you My llamas, with, he said. You should have slept with the emu in the background of the shot. All right, there's nothing like the way that fire renders on three strip Technicolor. Yeah, um, it always looks really, really good and really uh, fake, but good. It's I, well, it's interesting on the bad uh, comp. I mean, this was especially you know nowadays, especially with digital, you can just look at something on a screen. And you're like, okay, that's how it is. But th- these were the days where you had to do extensive testing just the ruby slippers alone they don't look like that in person um they had to actually make them a kind of a specific different color because when it went through the technicolor process then they would pop out as that kind of red but if you see them with you know just looking at them in person they're not that red no, it hadn't the yellow brick road itself was green to start with <laughs> was this was this the kind of this was the three separate strip yeah. Technicolor, yeah. right? So the red so a lot of the restoration has to do with fixing the registration of the individual 
um, pieces channels, of film likely, in the yeah. individual because every individual channel is its own thing. That's another thing about why the light had to be so bright because in addition to it being like uh, ASA five film, as you're it's coming into the camera, you're exposed. You're, yeah, you're hitting a like three way beam splitter and exposing onto. Um, so it's five it's divided, through a red so filter, a green filter, and a blue divided filter. by three. Yeah. Yeah. You've got so it. You've a, got it's a, an ASA of five three times. Yeah, yeah it's an ASA of five that you've got to light for three times. And as he said, it's going through two filters. It's going through a beam splitter and a color filter. Right. To get to that. To get to that shitty. <laughs> uh, so fun fact: If you watch uh, that Wizard of Oz, film. she starts pale at the beginning and she's tan at the end. <laughs> yeah. Really, I mean, like, it's, you're you're joking, but like, that's really, 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 really. Hot. Why didn't it happen that way? Like, why is she not tan? Because I don't super know. Super tan. They, took her back off the set and dunked her in a tub full of cocaine every I don't know <laughs> they probably did use you know not really did use not really. makeup no not the coke thing they they probably used makeup to to keep her looking uh, you know porcelain and yeah, it's the opposite of what happened to Michael Jackson <laughs> the hell is that thing that's a, about that that's thing. a tree uh, it's just a scary tree in the haunted woods it's a children of the forest unless you're talking about the thing outside that's a siren teak Oh, <laughs> now I understand. So my question is, if you turn back, if I were you, if he got there to write the sign, I'd turn back. If I were you, why didn't he turn back before he wrote the sign? <laughs> that is now the LAPD is, is just being like, he might have, he might have, might have been someone working for the witch. Might have been the witch being like, hey, I'm right here, but you know, I'm just saying. But if I wasn't the witch, I wouldn't be here. So these these props, I mean, the scarecrow is waving around a pistol over here, and <laughs> uh, the the. Lion is carrying witch remover. I don't know if you can ever, you ever actually see. Wait, they have guns that. in Oz? Huh? Yeah. It's like Armageddon. Why, except, why, why do you have a gun in Oz? Except pretty soon they're not going to. Those props just, and the net, all of that just kind of disappears because of the whole jitterbug sequence that was cut and, and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. And a number of things happened in the in the haunted forest that they cut for time and, and other things. There, there was a gag again. the The idea of the jitterbug. She sends out this thing that like makes everybody dance. Um, and they were dancing the jitterbug, and they actually cut it because it would. They were afraid that it would date the film because the jitterbug had just happened, and it would be like putting the macarena in, a, like as a oh, as a thing. You're like Harlem Shake. Yeah, or yeah. So, terroristas. but it, it was. It wound up being better that they cut it more because it's like, why? You don't fucking need that. That would have been a waste of time. When you go back and watch, that is an amazing shot, by the way, where the Tin Man drops from the top of the soundstage and then gets up. Like that was, you would think nowadays you do that with a dummy and it looks like a dummy, and then the guy goes, "Ugh!" <laughs> like, oh shit, they actually dropped that guy. <laughs> <laughs> when you go back and yeah, watch, so a lot here, of these I've little... sent a little insect on ahead. Makes no sense when you watch the movie, but that's the reference. That to was the jitter bug, and there's and because this is one long shot, they couldn't cut that line. Look at that. Oh my god. What a uh, but how awesome for her to be able to just to scream fly and see this happening because she's looking right at that. You know, that's yeah. that's a, a rear projection. So she she must have felt awesome doing that. She's like, "Yes, I am the witch." <laughs> I always wanted to be the I found out later it's actually usually a woman, but the guy who wears the Mickey costume at Fantasmic at Disneyland at the yep. end of the show has these big big fucking mortar sized um, Roman candles in the in the hands yeah. so he can go you know he just turns to the right and goes and I'm like that would be the best job uh-huh. where you're just like I am the witch and then you just find a kid you don't like in the, and then you see fuck that guy made fun of my shoes 
No one can stop me. I did. I did <laughs> actually. You were screaming. I am the, I'm wizard. the witch. I'm the witch. This is my imagination. Da 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 da. -da, -da. <laughs> this is what goes on in my head when I go to Disneyland. That's why I always cry. <laughs> I'm not the witch. I actually, I actually, for a while when I was a kid. I, I was like I want to be in Fantasmic one day I want to be that Mickey <laughs> I want to get that job um, and then I found out it's usually like a 5 foot 4 woman and I'm like oh Eddie Doty uh, dated one of them one of Eddie's uh, ex-girlfriends was the Mickey Mouse at Fantasmic I, I dated at Fuck least that guy, right? I dated at least one of the characters and that's where I came across the information that I was never going to get to play Mickey <laughs> do you have to sign do you have to sign an NDA about the the player that you were or character that you were dating? No, I just who, I don't know who, if he's who, still there. Who, who? He played Goofy and oh. Captain Hook. Ooh, oh. and you actually with Captain Hook. And actually, he he uh, he got to play um, from the Gargoyles show. They apparently have what? a. They Whoa, apparently they have gargoyles in real life. Shut up. They apparently they apparently have. <laughs> I a, am the gargoyle. <laughs> they apparently have a a Goliath costume <gasps> that has only come out like. Three or four times, and he got to wear it one of the times that they actually did like a thing with it. Is he so. seeing anybody right now? I don't know. I haven't talked <laughs> to him in like ten years. Our buddy Brandon, uh, it was one of the Jack Sparrows. You can find a he he wrote a story about it. Uh, I think for Esquire or something like that. But the, he was a Jack Sparrow at Disneyland. He ultimately got fired because he put a picture of him making out with his then girlfriend, now wife, who plays Ariel on their MySpace, and that's pretty like hardcore. Don't ever do that Disney shit because uh, they don't want. To break the illusion at all and he got fired because of that and other weird things it's an interesting story you should look it up but jack sparrow disneyland la Times story i think might be something you could google and find it it's a great piece he comes to our parties he dressed up as willy wonka <laughs> seriously though you dated goofy that's cool yeah <laughs> captain hook doesn't captain hook have a it's not actually like a makeup. It's a costume. Yeah, guy. with a head. Yeah, with a big yeah. solid head on top of it. Yeah, yeah it's okay. but it's, it's not like a Jack Sparrow kind of thing where it's a guy in a costume. Was it the Captain no, Hook that walks around, or was it the Captain Hook in the show who's swinging around on the ship? Uh, walks around. He he wasn't in Fantasmic. Damn, he'd be cooler if he was. Yeah, <laughs> he also played Woody a few times. Yeah, get your jokes in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would I would just say Goofy and Hook. I don't think you need to go into the Woody. <laughs> you know. Classic Disney characters are cooler. Hey, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So anyway, Wizard of Oz. Um, so there's all this just like nonsensical menacing that just happens. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, she like, can't. She this, can't do anything to Dorothy been, with the slippers. So. Has that been stated? What in the film that she's kind of impervious to harm? Yeah. She know? says, "I can't. I can't. I can't really touch you. I can't." I can't Linda get has, has Okay, so her and her army can't either or like what's But there's but there's no explanation as to what the I think she's under protection glass. from she, Glinda. She can't be harmed because of the because of Glinda and because of the shoes, but for some reason that hourglass thing can kill her. Shoes. <laughs> Ruby shoes. I've never quite understood that, but shoes. This is a cool little effect. Like it never occurred to me that this was actually quite amazing that they're they're projecting this right into the crystal ball that we can see. You know, this isn't so. So later. she's actually seeing this on set. Yeah, because it's tracking with probably it. Probably it's yeah. a different like. Yeah, you're right. It's the camera's moving. Totally weird angle, but yeah, she probably she probably yeah. can't see it, but the you know yeah the exactly. It's like there. it only yeah from her angle it just looks like a green smear. Yeah, I mean from my angle yeah whatever. Her performance is really great in this in that sequence though. Like, yeah, she just really fu just, just has the a terror in her Judy. Yeah, yeah Judy Garland's. Her performance throughout this is really quite good, considering how 
insane <laughs> everything is that's going on around her and and a lot of people in uh you know behind the scenes and and his, historians and stuff like that basically credit a lot of the success of this movie is because Judy Garland is in there she's playing a simple girl from Kansas as you know she's she's playing that straight she's the straight man to all this craziness yeah. and that makes it all plausible yeah she she grounds the whole thing and she does a really good job doing what it what has Toto been eating why I haven't seen him eat since he got to Oz, but they've been there for days. What have any of them been eating? Oh my God, they're all I mean, dying. Like even, even Alice stopped for tea. Like, yeah. They're eating Limbus bread. There is a bit in, oh, they're, they're, they eat like nuts off the trees and stuff. In well, the, and then, and it's they, better than eating nuts off the monkeys. And yeah. they had the, the whole apple sequence. And they had the apple scene, yeah. So they collect, they just been eating apples for like a week. They've just been taking people's things also, off they, of them. I mean, they were at the Emerald City, so I'm sure they got some... Like Some a churro stand, or green something. eggs and ham, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> churro stand. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Emerald City, dude. It's got to be something cool. Green churros. Oh my god, I want a green churro. St. Patrick's Day churros. Yes. That. <laughs> wow. Oreo. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people try to figure out what the lyrics are, and they're just nonsense. They're just saying O E O. Yeah. So, yeah they're just By the smells. way, this reminds me of Shh, everyone is sleeping. In addition to. Uh, <laughs> in addition to googling the uh, L.A. Times Jack Sparrow Disneyland thing. Also Google Bobby McFerrin, Wizard of Oz. There's a 10-minute video from the 80s floating around of Bobby McFerrin, I think impromptu, maybe not, uh, doing, someone asks him to sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and he does, and he sings it beautifully because he's Bobby McFerrin, but then he just keeps going, and he goes through all the songs in the fucking movie, like Bobby McFerrin-ing himself all the way through the entire movie, singing all the songs, ostensibly from memory. And it's a fantastic video, and it's like delightful, and everyone's singing along with him, and it's really cool, and it'll make you feel good about humanity. Just watch it; it's good for you. Does he do the optimistic voices? Yeah, no. He does all the voices. He does the voices. No, the the, the little <laughs> he the, does the, the, voices. the little the little tune as they come out of the poppy field and they're going up to the Emerald City. You're out of the woods. That whole yeah, thing. That's yeah. called optimistic yeah, voices. Yeah, he does. He also he also occasionally does like character pieces because he also goes poppies, ah. which is adorable. Anyway, Bobby McFerrin is uh, such your shit, and if you don't know that yet, you should probably get on that because he is your shit. Michael, are you a uh, are you a friend of Dorothy? <laughs> I am, as it turns out. <laughs> I think that's Which my least favorite euphemism. Completely uh, a, a random thing, or maybe it's not. Maybe this yeah. has like I, maybe I this caught it from you this, gay. Yeah, maybe I caught it from <laughs> Wizard of Oz. I think statistically that doesn't seem to be working, but <laughs> yeah, statistically it's about actually just uh, population. It's, yeah. it's the same. But uh, yeah, it was real. It was actually really interesting when I learned that that uh, that phrase and friend of Dorothy that, means gay. Yeah, yeah, learned that learned that Wizard of Oz is just really huge in 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 the gay community for. I mean, yeah, I like it, but articles. I'm not. There's actually been articles about that. Like, it's a, it's, and again, it's another retconny thing. But it's about not that it's not an important part of gay culture, but there's this like internal like logic that the movie is trying to tell you subtextually about you know LGBT. Where like in Kansas, that's homophobia and in the closetness, and then well, yeah, I can I can see it. There's like an article where it's trying to make the case. It's, that, well, that's yeah. the movie's point. It's easy. Well, I don't, see. The thing is, I wouldn't agree with it as the movie's point in the way like that X Men Two is clearly a gay allegory. Um, but again, you can make this story but about I, but anything. Yeah, it's, you can. It's legitimate. You can easily make the argument that this is a movie about discovering. Di- discovering your, you know, and appreciating the value in yourself. yourself yeah. for the way you are, because the the, you know, the the 
thing about uh, and it, this is a little bit clearer in the book, but you know the scarecrow is always complaining he has no brains and and like to the point that it gets a little obnoxious. Like every five minutes he's like, I do that, but this is like the Skyrim arrow to the knee guy. He's like, I do that, but I got no brains. It's like, yeah, we know, fucking guy, you tell us that all the time. Um, but but he's the one. Anytime they get into trouble in the book, he's the one who comes up with how to fix it. Yeah. Like he has the idea, and the the lion is like, oh, I'm such a coward and blah blah. blah. But anytime something's got to be done, he rushes right in there and does it and the whole point is like i mean so it's stated kind of explicitly in the in the movie but in the book the wizard's like uh yeah you're already doing all those things and they're like no give us brains and he's like okay here and just have a diploma no he he literally he he pours like bran and like you know bran flakes oats and needles into the the scarecrow's head and basically goes find brains it's like it's like when uh, that episode of The Simpsons where Lisa's like, great, me! And, and Marge just writes an A on a piece of paper and gives it to her. It's like, she just relaxes. Yeah. It's like, that's basically it. He, he like tries to give them the philosophy where it's like, it's been inside you the entire time. They're give like, me a fucking brain! Yeah, okay, but I would still like brains. But give it's me the like, trinket. Yeah. I was just thinking maybe I could have one more brain. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's intentional either, but the yeah. you can make a good argument. Of like, okay, you're... You are this unremarkable person in this very drab, unremarkable landscape, and then you find this distant, colorful, full of personality land with you know with the com- accompanying uh, colorful characters and personalities. And, like this place is it's it's just this idea of like there is. It's almost like the it gets better video yeah. of its day. It's well, like, the idea it's, it's like, yeah, where you grow up is shitty, but there are better places and just hang in there. Yeah, there's a there's a world outside, and then and you can go and discover yourself, and then you can, you know, you can come back to to your your world and come back to home wherever that is. But having but all of your actions come, will having, still be dictated by people more powerful than you. Having come to understand more about well, yourself. Well, if you're at bottom, sure. Well, the sirens thing has resolved itself. <laughs> Paul's face is great. That was funny. The siren thing seems to have resolved itself because now there's a low-flying, low-circling helicopter right outside my window. Woo! My, we are talking like, about the Wizard of Oz, okay? We don't... It says, Surrender Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something's happening, like, next door. That's fun. Anyway. Hey, Foxy, didn't you? Have you go that way? Have you go that way? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's really. I think this was it was a great choice to be like. Uh, so if she's the villain, like she should be the villain, and we should see more of her. Because if this were the only scene where you saw her, that would be really yeah disappointing I, and I kind agree of dull. Completely. I agree with you, Paul, about the way the fire looks. That looks really cool. It's also, really, like it's really crazy. hard to match. What, that. You know what's interesting though? It just occurred to me that one of the reasons why it looks so dark is that everything else is so bright. Like the fire actually is basically that's what it looked like on the set. Yeah. It's just that you would have been like, ah, it's blinding. So you put on sunglasses and this is what you see, and the fire just gets darker when you do that naturally. So that's a part of why it looks like that. It's just because it's way darker than you normally see fire because it's not overexposing anything because everything else is massively overexposed and they're correcting for yeah. that. They don't yeah. they don't foreshadow her water. Nope. At all? Nope. That's just that's just, just, just random Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. And Water, my like, only weakness. <laughs> and, and oh no, like but, the movie signs. Ah! Except, except to be to be fair, it's not like it's not like everybody knew that. Everyone just kind of went, "That was fucked up." <laughs> that was <laughs> and really weird. Just like like just everyone just sort of slowly walks away without saying yeah. anything. Like okay, so that was weird. You guys want to get 
food? I do like this little, uh, um, you know, kind of reversal where he's like, you killed her. She's like, I'm sorry. It's like, woo! Woo! So it's it's fairly famous. You'll see it all over the internet. But the uh, one of the famous things is like the... Uh, descriptions in tv guy like the t- the two sentence descriptions of whatever's on tv and the one for uh wizard of oz is uh a girl travels to a strange land where she kills the first person she meets then teams up with a group of strangers to kill again <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> and yeah it's kind of true earlier in the chat zarban was saying this is one of the few fantasy movies that has a girl as the protagonist uh, and, another, and another one being terminator 2 yeah it's it this has Pan's labyrinth i guess this has a, a female protagonist and signif- the, a female villain, and uh, a you know, female Obi Wan Kenobi. A, yeah, female mentor. So it's actually this it, is the orange is the new black of its day. Yeah, it's it's very much and and she is also the one who kind of helps helps the other character. I mean, they're helping her certainly, and certainly. Oh, dude, this movie also passes the Bechdel test. There's a yeah, like strongly. Yeah, yeah, it does. Cool. There's there's a se- there's a there's a segment where she becomes the damsel in distress and they have to save her. But even that, you can argue, is her helping them kind of actualize their own journeys. He's the doctor, you know, because she's 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 what spurs them to go. Okay, we're scared and stupid, but we're gonna go save her anyway. anyway. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's also you know, you could argue again, probably not. It's certainly not intentional, but you could argue it's like yeah, you can be a strong you know a, a character a person with agency and still need help every now and then yeah like it's, yeah. it doesn't have to be if i as a feminist character i don't have to be like totally and completely in control at all times i can still need help yeah but she she is the one driving you know there there is definitely an argument to be made that this is a very kind of feminist movie because it is very she's the one driving it she's the one going uh i need to get home yeah and i'm going to do whatever it takes to get there scarecrow hey i'm going that way you want to come okay let's do this but i'm going so <laughs> it's up to you also it follows the uh, heroine's journey thing we were talking about in that one intermission where yeah well that, this is really this does. is the example yeah. of the heroine's journey the, really just to brush you up on it you know what the hero's journey is the heroine's journey is a, it's a theory that someone had that trey was talking about he read in a book and it was interesting because basically the sort of typical or i guess maybe typified way that a female protagonist story works is slightly different than the you know the stereotypical hero's journey which is that a heroine's journey often is this girl who has been cared for losing those who are caring for her and ultimately comes to care for others sort of deal. Uh, and, and, uh, and another part of it is that she, in, in the hero's journey, the, the hero is celebrated. You know, there's always, you end your movie by applauding as, as Trey often says and star Wars and stuff like that. And, um, you see that, uh, but the, the heroine's journey, it's about, it's, the, tra- it's the, train spotting. The victory is about kind of the quiet satisfaction. It's like they don't go home to a big fanfare parade, right. and and as in this movie, being kind of the the prime example of it, as Star Wars is the prime example of the hero's journey. Um, nobody cares. I mean, nobody nobody will ever know that she did that. Yeah. You know, and and nobody will uh, even if she tried to explain it, they would not understand exactly uh, the extent of what she did. Is the quality of having been transformed without the outside world being aware of your transformation, or and and, and you know to to put the positive spin on it without needing the acknowledgement yes. of the outside yeah. world? It's, it's maintenance as its own victory. Yeah. So it's what is its own victory? Maintenance. Maintenance. <laughs> it's like no, like maintaining what was. I don't know if I agree than, with that actually. 
It, uh, it does come. That, well, it, I mean, the, we the talked about transformational quality is still important. It's oh, yeah, just yeah. A matter yeah. Of no, like, I mean, like, well, we're talking about like how it appears outwardly to right. the in, to the like interior universe of the story. Right. Well, it's we gave the example. It's not always it's not always female protagonist. Lord of the Rings is an example that kind of does a little bit of both. It's a hero's journey because Wait, in the outside Frodo's world, Frodo's a dude. In the outside world. They get, you know, the hobbits get the applause and you bow to no one and all of that, but they go home to Hobbiton. Nobody knows what they did. Nobody understands or cares. They're like, but I mean, we can still grow pumpkins, right? Okay, then I'm glad you're back. I'm going to go well, work on my pumpkins. It's It sort of is, it definitely <laughs> is in the movies. It has that quality, yeah. but... In the book, does. it's in the book. It's definitely it's definitely it they does, come but back then and, not because then you have the scouring. Of yeah, the, the, yeah, the scouring is like ev- everybody's a hero now, yeah. and so so it does. There is a, a tremendously transformational quality to the Shire in the books because of the scouring. Oh, this is so cute. It ticks. Oh, yeah. but it's ain't it the truth. Yeah. The person in the chat room, Sel- and ain't it Sel- the truth? Saying, apparently, was God, God knows plenty of people who don't have brains get a diploma. <laughs> I, again, that's like a really little subversive thing that he says. Yeah. He was like, there are people all over the place who, who are, you know, people listen to him and take him as experts and they're running countries and they got no more brains than you do. And it's like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> that burn. <laughs> hard burn. Like, so it makes, it makes a couple of these kinds of statements, but the movie, it's, it's, more, it's more the screenwriter just being like amusing himself yeah. by saying that than that that's a theme of the movie, which you totally could take this movie and just with a couple little nudges, you could make it about that right. <laughs> pretty Yeah, easily. it's more like the screenwriter typing away on his typewriter, getting that scene and going, going oh, <laughs> I got a great bird. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to him sitting down and going, I'm going to plot out this story and make I'm a, a point. I'm telling a story about yeah. that as opposed to like, yeah, fuck my governor, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> fuck those damn Dixiecrats. Yeah. Oh, and he's, uh, I guess he's from... Does he? He says he, he's from Kansas. He says yeah. he's from Kansas. Yeah, in the yeah. book, he's from Nebraska, but well, close. And the, and the balloon in here says, says Omaha. Omaha State Fair. Or oh, okay, like that. so something is wrong. <laughs> there is a lie here. <laughs> there is a, <laughs> <laughs> This world does not add up. It's a. It's a. It's the a wizard would not lie to me. <laughs> Except for all the times. Except where for he did. all of the times <laughs> where that is literally the definition of his yeah, character. Omaha State Fair. Yeah. And so everything above their head is a uh, one of those an, a glass you know on glass map painting. I'm not sure if it's actually if it were if it was double exposed or if that was actually as they did sometimes for stuff like Ben Hur where what it was literally hung devices? in front of the screen. Uh, I, I you know <laughs> there's giant rotating spike devices. There's one in the back. I would think they're like winches, but they're not. So what are those things? There it is again. Yeah, there's a couple of them. They're wow, steering wheels. <laughs> this is how we steer these bricks. This is how we steer those bricks. Yeah. That's... I'm going to do that when someone asks me something I don't know. I'll be like, yeah, you know. <laughs> what? Oh. So in, in Wicked, the wizard is actually this really horrible tyrant yeah. that everybody despises. Well, if this guy... um, Well, before September 11th, we all just thought George W. Bush was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, after a certain amount of time, someone being the goofball does become kind of like, oh, God, help me. Well, they haven't, they, th- this is the first time they've seen the wizard for, you know, 20 some years or, or perhaps even longer. He's just been hiding in his room being like, I hope nobody figures this out. <laughs> I hope nobody sorts this out. That's terrifying. 
That actor, like, he's got to be going, like, five people have died on this film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The flying monkeys, like, two of them, their, their wires broke, and they just went plop right in the, the forest and had to be hospitalized. Good God. And then and then they're like, okay, Judy, <laughs> we're taking you up. Actually, it was it, it was her uh, double, not her, that got picked up by the flying monkeys for exactly that reason. Fran flower arrangement? No, I don't. I don't remember a name off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I think that you're supposed yeah, to. I think, I think that your double's name is just supposed to be like a clever reworking of yours. Judy Garland? Oh, I see. Judith Flowers? Yeah, so Maureen in the Le- in the book, there's a whole other thing where they're like, I guess we got to go see Glinda now, and they go on this other journey to go to to talk to Glinda, and they finally get there, and she's like, Oh no, it's the shoes, just just fucking click the yeah, shoes. Yeah, just click the shoes. Yeah. You got you had the power all along, Glinda, blah, blah, blah. you bitch. You've been running halfway across this continent, and you didn't lock your shoes together once. Yeah, the well, you have if to do it three danced, times. If she had danced enough, it would have happened eventually. Although to be to be fair, that actually does make slightly more sense. Where this Glinda is like, oh, you could have done that the whole time. What the fuck didn't you tell me that? Yeah. Oh, well, you had to learn lessons and shit. I, I had, and then I had to the, use you as a pawn in my yeah. complicated political <laughs> scheme. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then in the and then in the uh, uh, you know. But in the book, it's like, oh, you were talking to that. She doesn't know for fuck all. So I guess it was the shoes. She could have said, I'm sorry about her. But anyway, <laughs> you had fun, right? It's been fun. So uh, uh, yeah, it's all good. I mean, it, it worked out okay, right? So no hard feelings. Uh, yeah. All right. We'll see you next time, kids. This is Good like, night. there's that other thing that we were talking now about. I wanna, now what you're talking about, the con- I'm like, there's Wicked. I want to do like the Song of Oz and Fire. Like make those, this whole thing where there's this political thing going on. They're all do murdering each other. The <laughs> Song of Oz and Fire. <laughs> and the theme would be like, do, 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 we're gonna do that later. You want to do that later? We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll play the what? Mash them up. Yeah. And yeah see yeah. what happens. <laughs> oh man, they they align perfectly, man. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and if you play that over this book that I'm writing, it all lines no. up. I think I think that will actually work. Um. Oh, another thing we were talking about with the like the either heroine's journey or like a feminine journey or whatever you want to, however you want to describe that. Um. If they were doing this now, like, because now we've kind of have that weird, um, twisted version of that. Well, they'll try to do something like that, but then whoever's playing Dorothy will end up being like Black Widow styled. Like, yeah, I'm, I've got this great physical prowess, and I got right. a knife and a bow, and It'd instead like of just being like, I, I just everything. got this, like, I just got my dress and my bows, and yeah. not that bow. It's like trading that bow for the other bow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like the the only way you can have like a powerful, yeah. like you can have like a competent protagonist who's like more normal and less like hyper stylized to fit some sort of male gaze. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of the female empowerment today is about masculine making it's about it's about taking the masculine stereotypes and applying them to women women. as opposed to taking taking femininity and making that and And strengthening that and And showing the strength in that which is this is a feminine person she's still also a person yeah i mean it's showing a basically it's you know that the idea of femininity and about um um you know 
stereotypically, you know, about caring and stuff like that. It's like, that's what gets her through this. The fact that she cares about her friends, the fact that she cares about her home and she wants to get home. It's like, and she really cares about that dog. Yeah. She's not, she's not running around. Like you say, like she didn't go in there and fucking, she didn't have to do one backflip. Yeah. She didn't didn't pull an entrapment and go through like lasers and like knife the fucking wicked witch in the eye or anything. It's like, nope, sorry. Even, even killing the witch is because she was trying to help. Like like yeah. we were saying earlier, she was trying to to save her friend that she cared about, and it just happened that the way... I wouldn't have water anywhere in the... It's like the, the aliens and signs. Well, the strength, I guess like the strength but, of something like Hunger Games is that it's like halfway to that. Yeah. It's meeting that in the middle where you have yeah. like somebody who still has their physical prowess just because they're in like a game of death. Yeah. But then it's also like, no, 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 I, I succeed because I have like a... Moral center, a moral center, and a great amount of empathy towards yeah. those around me, and then also like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a huge amount of how the like crazy beards and styles and stuff. Those are hugely reminiscent of. I was everybody thinking that. In, I was thinking the 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 capital in the Hunger Games is super like the Emerald City. Yeah, that, that, not not before the Emerald City when she first shows up. Oh, and the, all the, the Munchkin land, and, all the, and everybody in Munchkin land has like all the twisty beards uh-huh. and like the bright clothes and. That, that, wacky that, hairstyles. Thinking of that comparison is one Oz's of the things Oz's earlier Club. that made me go. Oz could be much more political. <laughs> like you can push it to be more like Hunger Games in a lot of ways because that that aspect is there. And it, I was reminded because of that. Can we please do the Munchkin Games? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I was just. About, what do you? Th- what do you think the Hunger Games in the uh, in the Land of Oz would look like? Oh dear, Brazil. That'd be some pretty fucked up shit. Yeah. Um. Also worth pointing out in the. Uh, the the munchkins are not in the book are not necessarily little people. They are they are small, but they're no smaller than the other denizens of Oz. So where does the word munchkin come from? It comes from this. So it was invented for this. Basically, it was inve- well, it was invented for this. So the and idea of a munchkin being a little person comes is from generates this. from this. Okay. It comes from this. Yeah, it entered the vernacular as an association with this movie. Right. Or if you're from the East Coast, as a donut hole from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> really? I call them. Yeah, uh, those yeah. are so delicious. We I don't know why have, they're more delicious than regular donuts, but they are. We used to have do, we used to have yes, Dunkin' Donuts here, and then they're, then they went away, and now they're coming back, and everyone's acting like that never happened. It was they were here. I swear to God. <laughs> Holy shit! There it is, right them. there, Nico. Nico, yeah. What do you know? Interesting. The singer midgets as the munchkins. <laughs> that's like that's awful. The singer midgets <laughs> at the time. That's awful for like ten different reasons. At the time, that was just a descriptive title. Now that sounds like a stylized title for a band, like the, you know, singer, the midgets. singer midgets. And the yeah. ironic thing is, they're not the singer midgets because they were the singers. They're the singer midgets because their, the, their, their name guy was his last name was Singer. Yeah, there's a family of famous. Wow. One title card. All right, cool. No, it was, they were all at the beginning. Yeah, that, anyway. back in those days when people didn't. What I don't. I don't remember if I. I had a chance to to finish that thought. But in the studio, in the studio culture, in terms of taking credit, it was like you were. The whole idea was we're all in this together. So it was not only. It was not only frowned upon for you to try and take personal credit for like a contribution but it was considered like disloyalty to the company and to the film because you're all supposed to be you're, just, you're supposed to be about the art man <laughs> you very know? much like <laughs> disney yeah yeah that 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 still hold I, you were t- telling that story and i was like yeah that's very similar that's still a holdover from those kinds of days i think yeah but this, it's like oh we're all in this together so if you inhale a bunch of aluminum dust or get your face set on fire you know it's just uh, you gotta be a team player but the meeting will continue until morale improves this this the uh, uh uh buddy ebsen he he told a story 
um, that I, I heard on one of the supplemental materials where he was like, I'm not sure that they were, they, I'm not sure they were ever completely convinced that I got sick. <laughs> like until they showed I, because up because he, he was w- an iron alone. because he was supposed he was originally supposed to play the scarecrow and Ray Bolger came in mm-hmm. and was going to be the Tin Man and Ray Bolger was like um have you seen my thing because I should totally be the scarecrow because he danced like that he had this totally floppy, floppy kind of yeah. thing and he was like if anybody is ever going to be the scarecrow and I'm going to be in this movie anyway I should be the scarecrow and and had this you know uh, big argument and eventually went out and became the scarecrow and and Buddy Ebsen switched over to the Tin Man which he was totally cool with but he was like I think they thought I was upset about having to switch and become the Tin Man and that's why and I was, was like like a, like a dramatic being a drama queen and whatever yeah. and not showing up to set and <laughs> all of that he's like no I was in the hospital he told a story where um, the the uh, producer actually called. Like called the hospital and was like, "Why isn't Buddy Ebsen on set?" And they were like, "Dude, like he's <laughs> fucking he's dying. Are you kidding me?" And uh, but he he said he was like, "I'm not sure they were ever completely convinced that it wasn't partially because I was upset, which I never was." Wow, interesting. This movie hold, holds up wonderfully. Uh, it is a lot. It, the, the the pacing is weirder than I remember it being, uh, but it still works. Uh, and it's it's there's a, this movie is really strong like phenomenon of things that you know happen in this movie after something else actually happened like later or before or something like you're, you're remembered you remember line. that all these things happen but the through line is maybe yeah. not yeah but uh, it's great and it's really goddamn impressive in places and uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad that it exists because having a a, 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 a gem like a family oriented gem for this long has created this weird culture of Wizard of Ozness that apparently permeates the entire planet because we don't you know Snow White I guess also would go in that category but honestly I watched Wizard of Oz a lot more growing up because I don't know maybe we didn't have Snow White I don't know why but in any case it's cool that we have this thing that people have been watching and loving for like 70 years uh, because movies aren't that old and most of the ones suck yeah Sturgeon's Law so you know Kids aren't, you know, growing up watching Casablanca. They should be, but they're not. And uh, it's cool that we have at least something where it's like, yeah, my grandma loved yeah. this movie. Well, Wizard of Oz, I mean, Wizard of Oz was the Star Wars of its day in many respects. And especially just in terms of, like, how it entered the culture. I mean, even people who aren't huge geeks, you you can talk in Star Wars references. Like, that's part of the vernacular of, of yeah. you know, uh, the culture. You can say those things and people understand what you mean. You can do the same thing with The Wizard of Oz, even still. There are lines from The Wizard of Oz that pay no attention to the man behind the curtain and stuff like that yeah, that, sure, are, yeah. that still find very... <laughs> that, that, that still find use, you know, to this day as part of the Although Aver has kind of gone by the, the way side. That sucks. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Brian? Wizard of Oz? Yeah, um, I guess actually I think it holds up a little more than it did rewatching it last night. But there's still... It's just it's still more of just a historical curiosity for me um, than anything else. I think I a lot of the plot logic, and I understand it's like you know it's meant to be a fairy tale, and the plot logic of fairy tales doesn't have to make any sense, goddamn sense whatsoever. But still, some of the plot logic is like, okay, wait, what is the the hourglass thing and and the water and et cetera, et cetera. And why did you get to ch- decide that I needed to learn a lesson, you goddamn pink jerk? <laughs> and, and and also, I mean. I still just fundamentally disagree with the lesson at the end of the movie because, especially especially when you cast it in kind of like the friend of Dorothy light in terms of like, yeah, your home may suck, but there's a, actually a great big wide world out there, and if your home sucks, go the, home. 
Well, yeah, the, the movie is basically saying if your home sucks and nobody seems to like pay attention or care to you because she's very clearly like ignored in the beginning of the movie. Uh, and it, especially when you take on that like friend of Dorothy lens to it, it's like your home may suck and there may be a much better world with people who really do understand you and accept you for who you are uh, and help you grow as a person um, that's colorful. That is much better. But no, you should still go home because it's home. Um, no, not actually. Like, home is valuable, and you should go home and s- support your family. Call your mother. Call You should call your mother, yes, uh, which I need to do today, actually. I need to call uh, my hi, sister. Mom. It's her birthday. Um, but it's still like the... You should actually go out and explore the world and value the world for the interesting world that it is, because the world is amazing. Um, but... Of course, we're saying this from Oz right now. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we're kind we, of biased. we are. Well, actually, Mike isn't as a as a native. I was born in Oz. Yeah, you are a Munchkin. Lander. That's why. <laughs> yeah, but yes, I, I'm, I'm definitely saying this as a guy who grew up in <laughs> in South Jersey and went. I want to go live in Oz and move to Oz, and here I am. And you know what they have here? Fucking churros. Boom. <laughs> Dark man. Um. Yeah, I I still love this movie. I I I. Why do you love it? Is it just a childhood grandfather clause thing? A little bit, but it's I. It is culturally interesting, just as being a. It's culturally thing. interesting, and it's extraordinarily well made, and it's you know it's fun to watch. I think um, there's something to be said for the fact that you know my four year old niece loves this movie too. Um, you know, it's like every generation. There's just it's it, there's such my a, grandma and my niece both. Love there's such project. a purity to the to the movie and to the you know the, it's. It's not cynical, um, and and it's just kind of telling its story, and it is a fairy tale, and it's just, you know, um, lovely. It's just yeah, it's just a, a lovely movie, and Wizard it's a Oz, it's a classic. And um, I I'm not sure what else to in the really chat, say about it. Land it's hard Porpoise to asks, it's hard to really put your finger on something like that when you think about it. Land Porpoise asks if, if this is a perfect movie. I we haven't thought about that, but if it sets up everything that it pays off and it pays off everything that it sets up no it uh, it doesn't do that though the water thing the water one, thing the water for one thing for one yeah um if we're if we're defining it in that way um so no but uh uh i mean there's that doesn't that doesn't necessarily you know mean a tremendously uh, negative amount for it i mean fairy tales there's a sing-along feature on this blu-ray can we do that fairy tales and 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 mythology and uh you know the ancient legends and stuff like that especially like greek mythology they're rife with shit that like is totally literally that's where the phrase deus ex machina comes from and uh it's totally like shit will you know they'll be in trouble and then shit will happen and they'll be like oh yeah because he's got that vulnerability from a thing that happened a long time ago <laughs> should have brought that up earlier anyway i'm glad you survived yeah like uh, all like prescribing the word perfect to just to only mean that there's like perfect narrative tautology throughout the entire that's what I, that's, that's yeah. the way we talk about it on the show generally but in in terms of there's oh, no, no, i know i just, I just disagree with that as the yeah. as the word for that yeah well, then you get the fuck off the podcast yeah. later get your own podcast then and make up your own word for it call it dinosaur i don't know <laughs> um anyway i uh yeah i love this movie and uh i like i say i don't necessarily watch it that often because i don't have to but um i you know plan to help pass it on to the next generation as well ian and paul y'all over there with uh, revisiting this and seeing Hi, the- yeah ian talk <laughs> I've, just, I've just been looking at this helicopter for like the last <laughs> <hour>. <laughs> 
It is right, right out there. <laughs> anyway, did the movie? Uh, the, you just you, you just watched like a little bit of it two weeks ago, and then everything else you haven't seen since childhood. Is it what you remembered it being? Kind of. I kind of got the same experience as a lot of people, just in that there's there's these huge chunks like the very beginning that go on for over half an hour. Yeah. That I just remembered something about her dog, an angry woman, and then a tornado. And it turns out that there's actually an entire third of the movie third of the movie going on there where they're establishing all of the characters that she meets later I just remember that they kind of poke their heads in at the end and you go oh that's them right but it's almost kind of a double thing of like oh these are these people it's she bookended. already knows and at the end they're just driving it home she you know, still knows them you know it would be really interesting to like get a group of people who haven't seen like you know Wizard of Oz in 15 20 years or whatever ask them to tell you the movie at least all the scenes they remember and then edit the movie according to that retelling. And oh, see that's a that, good idea. That'd be that a great. That'd be a like. great like a YouTube channel. Because if you do that with Pulp Fiction, you'll get a thousand different answers, and none of them will be right. That <laughs> movie is like four hours long, and people forget most of it. You're yeah. cutting in sections of seven and shit. Yeah, and exactly. Just, <laughs> like, <laughs> one little part of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is yeah. in there somehow. Paul, what about you? Do you um, find this movie to be a fulfilling experience as yet? Yeah, it's kind of like Brian in the sense that like, well, yes, this is this is an old movie that is responsible for a lot of cultural stuff, but I kind of try to watch a movie every time that I watch the movie like it's the first time that I'm watching the movie. And to that effect, it was still like, wow, yeah, that was that was fun, and I can see where everything that it did was good and valuable and um how it can stick to a culture is interesting. So, yeah, it's more of just like a case study at this point than it is something that I feel any sort of Right. Like deep emotional attachment. I, don't know. I think it. I think it sticks in much the same way that that Star Wars does. Again, to to make the comparison. I mean, which is probably why I just kind of. Meh yeah, it's such a it. it's such a broad. You know, I, I I'm doing it because the movie is playing again as as we're talking just in the background and I'm watching you know, the karaoke version. Yeah, I respect yeah. I respect it immensely, but Ms. I have no like. Yeah, Miss no Gulch clean. just wrote up, and it's like once she gets to Oz, everything is. Everything is basically primary colors, including the characters. Like the villain is so clearly the villain, and and you know the heroine is so clearly the heroine. And White hat, black hat. It's yeah. It's so it's so accessible because it's like this is not this is not complicated. Those are the good guys. That is the bad guy. And go, you know, and and also songs and color and fun. Being ultimately incredibly understandable and heartfelt and simple seems to be one of the key elements of these really huge Wizard of Oz, Star Wars, Avatar things. Yeah. Where like the whole world just takes to it. When it's that simple to understand, it makes sense in any... You don't. You could literally be feral and kind of still get it. Yeah. Kind of well, it's, it's the lowest common denominator of right. narrative discourse. Exactly. Like, you should get to a point where you get to an age or get to a point of your personal development where you go, real life is way, way more complicated than all of those things and... Like you don't really get as much out of it anymore as you right. would. Otherwise. Well, you, if it, it it turns into it turns into escapism to an extent at that point, it's like you know yearning for the day when it was easy to tell who the good guys before and you the underst- guys before were before you understood that life was complicated. <laughs> yes, and exactly. all those empty blacks decided to get all. Oh my god! What are you doing, dude? <laughs> <laughs> no, talking about back in in the you know the 30s and 40s pre pre civil rights in terms of like yeah. with the, and people that's like, not what I meant but yes oh, okay. so you were saying some, no, I, was, I was talking about on a personal I, development I'm talking about oh, like, the development of someone's I, I was right, thinking, let's all four of us just walk out of the room and leave Brian to finish the episode <laughs> yeah. just like uh, they, uh, left. they all so, left so I uh, respect diversity in all its forms no but what I what I was saying like when people talk about the oh and days the good old days the good old days when they were things were simple yeah before uh, which is all an illusion just because yeah. you haven't been exposed to exactly. it. Exactly. I was, exactly. I was, I was the, talking the about... The Paula Deen mentality. I was talking... I, I understand 
Cult- right. You're talking on a cultural level. I was talking on a personal, like right. from childhood to adulthood. There was a time when things seemed simple, and there's, you know, yeah, but yeah. you realize things are complicated. And movies like this take you back. One of the things people like about this is it takes I, movies like this and Star Wars and stuff is it takes you back to being able to experience. You know, they talk about the childlike sense of wonder. I think part of that is to Just be able to look and revelation. to look into a world where things are simple, this is good, this is bad, and this is what you can, you know, accomplish yeah. as a person. That's, on, what we're, that's what we're trying to do with all those safety labels, but it's still not taking But on the dark side, it's also, like, extremely emotionally stunting to be grounding your most extreme examples of, like, well, most emotional, formative. like... Hmm? Formative, not extreme. I mean, this is... No, no, no I'm framework. saying that, it, like, this, like, movies, like, the uh, idea of this is your narrative, like, that's... that's dangerous it's, yeah it's not then you, then it's you start not getting entire no life. it's not an, yeah. at all yeah. like you just get entire generations of people that become obsessed with the idea of like i, I am the protagonist right and yeah. everything else is bad and wrong i do it's have like, i do i have that i have that kind of objection to um to uh romance fairy tale romance in particular those kinds like, of movies like they set movies? up yeah because they set up an extraordinarily messed up and stunted idea of how relationships and romance are yes. supposed to work. Yeah, it's like you can't conquer another person. Like, yeah, exactly. That's not how that and, works. And you can't wait for another person to come along and complete you. Yeah, exactly. Which is how it's often framed, but yeah. Right, so uh, that's like, so nobody thinks about it in terms of like just actual people like... But I think, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I come kind of come at it from a different angle in the sense that I think we're hardwired to be that way. And most of the time, the narratives that we create reflect that hardwiring. I can agree with that. And yeah. then it's it just takes the exceptional narrative, the exceptional work of art or story, to overcome that hardwiring and hopefully rewire us a little bit to a more useful place. But that, as opposed to, and obviously there's it's, a lot it's of like the salt, it's the and salt and fat version of like somebody's own. Like, well, what's the distinction you would draw between Wizard of Oz? Okay, this is a fucked up question. And like <laughs> Iliad or the Odyssey or something like that. I mean, they're both stories about a protagonist and trying to get it's, home. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's basically the same thing. Well, and that's, that's well, that's why way way older. Than well, movies. that's why those are the stories that we remember, and nobody can like sit around just like reciting Heraclitus. <laughs> like it's there's stuff that just become like. Well, that's it's, what Brian was saying is that these are just the stories the that, lowest, that resonate with us. Right. Yeah. Well, it's beyond the lowest common denominator. That's why the lowest common denominator of food is salt and sugar and fat, and right. why like people get addicted to soda it's that same thing like you just want that perfect saccharine story that's distilled right. and it's not like sitting there with kale chips like right it's pushing getting all of your vitamins your brain yeah yeah and the, in the like we like this is like a candy movie when like you sit down with like a whole wheat movie and like <laughs> well, I think start most, to you know yeah. most this people movie, tend to like what, both you, you don't watch this movie this is not one of the eat that. your vegetable movies this is yeah. this is more of this, a, this is a this is a candy Citizen Kane movie. is an eat your vegetables movie but I don't, I don't know I mean it's it's what would be the what would be the example of like a whole wheat movie in, in the sort of terms that you're talking about do you mean like something that's impossible to watch and you watch it for the sake of watching it or because it's complex and it teaches you things about mm-hmm. Like deeper. It's thing? something that you can get something new out of every time that you watch it, or something where it's like, oh, now I understand why that person acted in that way. I would say, or, well, to to go back to the the romance genre, uh, I would say Five Hundred Days of Summer is an excellent example of. It certainly defies. It's, the it defies standard, the conventions yeah. of the genre it's ostensibly part of, and going, okay, the what we're playing off of is the saccharine version. Here's how this shit actually works in real life, and what it actually looks like in real life, and hopefully maybe a better way of approaching it does it. It, it subverts that and by the end of it you're like oh he was a completely unreliable narrator the entire yeah. time and he didn't learn his lesson yeah <laughs> <laughs> so please for the love of god learn your lesson and learn from this guy's mistake yeah 
That's what stories have been doing since uh, 1939. This has been What Are You Doing, Movie? Uh, you can <laughs> always find, you can find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com. Go to the forum. Involve yourself in the conversation. It's seriously a goddamn good forum, and I'm tired of telling you about it. Plus, you can only lurk so much, because there's whole parts of the forum that we have turned off for people who aren't registered. Ha ha, you have to sign up. Anyway, it's fucking free. Do Is it, will true? you? Yeah. The chat, you can't see the chat oh, okay. unless you're registered, which I set up during the 4chan thing because I wanted somewhere to talk about it. Anyway, um, and you can buy our shirts. They're amazing. We also have like robes and shit. And I think I added a thong. Go, do it. Or just, uh, you know, PayPal. We're not asking. We're just saying. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Holden Hill, designed to maintain the website. Until next week, my name is T. Christie. Brian Pittenberg. Nice up. Ian Hubert. And Paul Sainz. And this has been What Are You Doing, Movie? Thank you much for listening. Good night. Good night. I really want to be that Mickey, though. It's the oh. little <laughs> No, don't take me away. This is my only power. <laughs> I am the witch. Well, they, they wouldn't be able to take you away because you just fucking Iron Man them. Exactly. It's like <laughs> they would be they'd be dragging me by my feet. I'd be shooting at my captors <laughs> until you run out of charge. And then imagine that feeling of impotence after your Roman candle fingers run out. Then you're just like, I am mortal again. This is worse than death. <laughs> Now I have to live with this. <laughs> Trendsinyourhead.com. <laughs>